This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us. For those joining us live on YouTube and to everyone listening on their favorite podcast feed, uh, if you would, give us a five-star rating for you podcast listeners. A nice comment would uh, help out as well. And if you're with us on YouTube, hit that like button and make sure you are subscribed. Uh, big show today to uh, complete the Winnipeg Jets season. Really, the next couple days will be Jet wrap-up shows. Today was garbage bag day. Players coming in, cleaning out the lockers, and speaking to the media for the last time as members of this year's Winnipeg Jets squad. We'll hear from a number of Winnipeg Jets over the course of the next uh, 30, 45 minutes. Connor Hellebuck, Captain Blake Wheeler, Mark Scheifele, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and more. And then we'll uh, discuss it all with Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press coming up a little bit later on in the program. As always, we're brought to you by our great family of sponsors, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Assiniboia Downs, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports, and PolicyMe.com, and our gaming partner, CoolBet. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, and welcome in the CTO, Michael Remus, as we uh, begin. What, what day is it today, Remus? Is it Tuesday, Wednesday? It's hard to uh, hard to keep track. I just know it's not a game day, and uh, now we'll kind of have a bit better of a calendar knowing when weekends actually are going forward. But uh, what's going on? Yeah, it is Tuesday. No, sorry, Wednesday. It's here. We're working off the top. You know, if you uh, were here for the live show to start yesterday, uh, I had my Garth Algar moment. As someone commented where I'm like, hi, I'm having a good time, which uh, is it's tough to it's tough to keep it going um, while you're trying to troubleshoot. So it maybe seemed a bit out of sorts. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put on the spinning Winnipeg Sports Talk logo and then I can actually devote attention to figuring out our uh, issues. A veteran move uh, right there, Reem. You might not yeah. be a veteran, but it seemed like a veteran move. Uh, although, uh, the, for, you know, yeah, so- a, a few tense moments early on in the program, but uh Hey, we're here, and we've got a lot to talk about, as um, we heard from all the Winnipeg Jets, um, to finish up the season, meeting with the media today. And we'll get to that in just a couple minutes. Um, But first up, Reem, I do want to talk about last night in the NHL. The Canes are bounced. We'll see what's next for Rod Brindamore. That'll be a hot topic in the National Hockey League. But wow, how about Mark Stone and the Vegas Golden Knights coming back third period, tying the game up, and then the Winnipeg native, the captain of the Golden Knights, being the overtime hero, blocking a shot, getting up behind the defenseman, getting the pass, and drilling it behind Grubauer less than a minute into OT. And after the Vegas Golden Knights had been pretty much written off two games or three games ago, they're now one win away from moving on to take on the Habs for a trip to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, incredible what Vegas has been able to do. Mark Stone, one of those uh, you know trade deadline acquisitions they made and then signed him to a you know a long term deal a couple years ago. Um, you know, I had said before the game, watch out for that thin Colorado air. And uh, I was right for the first two periods of the game. But in period three, Vegas uh, put it on. And I, I don't know if this would be an upset. I, mean, I think we thought this would go seven. Maybe it still can. But Vegas is in the driver's seat. And this would be another uh, tough loss for Colorado. We know they ran into the goalie injuries last year, which led to Michael Hutchinson getting some starts. But, um, you know, Vegas goes, I mean, what an incredible story. The start of this season, it seems like sort of the you know franchise. They're contenders every every year now. Uh, well done for uh, for Vegas. But 
Uh, what what great hockey that we're seeing, and it does remind me oh. it reminds you a lot of uh, the Kings Blackhawks Western Conference Final of like 2012 or so. I think that or was it 2014? Either way, um, two great teams meeting, not for the Stanley Cup. So uh, some great hockey. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, it's funny. Rob Maloney, Stone showing what an eight million dollar player needs to do. Take note, twenty six. That's <laughs> maybe a little harsh. He's nine and a half, uh, I do believe. That's the uh, that's the number on Stone, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you know, I every time Mark Stone does something great, um, you know, you always see it. I always get the the mentions. Oh, you know, the Jets could have had Mark Stone. That's just not. Um, th- don't get bent. As a Jets fan, if you're seeing Mark Stone do great things with the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, yes, he was traded at the deadline to Vegas. Um, it was uh, it was the worst kept secret in the league that Mark Stone was likely going to be signing with the Vegas Golden Knights in the offseason. So um, there was no, I mean, that was the team that he was willing to sign a contract with. That's the team that he wanted to. He's got the great relationship with Kelly McCrimmon dating back to his days as a Brandon Weeking. Um, so I, I wouldn't lose too much sleep about a missed opportunity for Winnipeg because, um, you know, it would have taken a ton to get Mark Stone there at the deadline and in all likelihood would have been a rental. But, um, Hey, listen, we'd all love to get a great hometown player like that back in the peg, but right now he's doing what he's doing for, uh, the team that from all accounts he wanted to be a part of, and that's the Vegas golden Knights. And, uh, Oh, it was pretty a wild night last night for uh, for that win. Cannot wait for Game Six. And um, you know what? Great season for the Carolina Hurricanes, Reem. But um, they merely got one game farther than the Winnipeg Jets. How about Tampa Bay? I mean, for all the playoff misery they had leading into finally getting over the hump last year, this team seems absolutely ready to um, to take that next step and try and run it back. Yes, um, I had Carolina going to the Cup. You know, they've made so many additions the last couple of years they were ready last year they got bounced by the Bruins they made it one year farther in um they got one year farther than last year so uh but still I, I do think it's a disappointment now some questions for them Rod Brindamore his contract's coming up uh I think all I, I saw Sarah Sivian from the Athletics saying he is staying in Carolina I mean it's not official yet and Dougie Hamilton he's their big free agent so we'll see how Carolina retools but I like the moves that they made to put themselves in a position but uh, I mean you're you're the champs until you're not, Huss, and Tampa, they're looking like on a course here. I'm not going to mention that they are over the salary cap technically because that's uh, within, within, within <laughs> well, the no rules. There's no salary but, cap in the playoffs, remember? <laughs> yeah, we're going to be hearing about it, I think, as they uh, as they move on. But a well-timed injury for Nikita Kucherov definitely put them in an advantageous position. Yeah, they, uh, they milked it, and uh, hey, they're looking good right now. Now... As far as the uh, other series, big, big test for the Boston Bruins to try to survive to a Game 7 in the Coliseum tonight. And that building is going to be an absolute madhouse. I cannot wait for this game. Pulling for Barry Trotz and the Islanders to get through. Certainly not the sexiest team, but a great team. I mean, they do... As I've said this many times in this program, I don't know if there's a coach in the National Hockey League that squeezes more out of the talent on his roster consistently year after year than Barry Trotz. And the fact that they've got the Bruins on the rope speaks to uh, the job that he's done and the buy-in that he has from every single guy wearing an Islanders uniform. So really looking forward to that game tonight. Um, We're going to spend a lot of time hearing from some of the Winnipeg Jets. We'll get to that in just a minute. Before we do, um, do want to uh, tell you about PolicyMe.com, our newest sponsor. PolicyMe is a online life insurance company that allows Canadians to buy life insurance in minutes, 100% online, and at the most affordable price. 
policy is simplified, all the unnecessary bells and whistles in the traditional life insurance process, resulting in a fully underwritten term policy that's fast, easy, and, a- and affordable. Um, listen, the reason why people procrastinate so much on things like life insurance, which are so important for you and your family's future, is that it's a pain in the ass. Uh, it's very easy to procrastinate on. You'll do it later until it's too late. And um, that's why policy me is so great. I mean, it just it makes it easy. It takes out a lot of the BS and gives you the best rates, averaging 10 to 20% lower than other insurers in Canada. You'll find out if you're approved for coverage instantly instead of waiting weeks like most under companies. And most people don't require a medical exam. And the bottom line is what usually and traditionally took weeks and months of confusing paperwork and insurance jargon can now be done in around 15 minutes through an easy-to-understand application. It's very simple, folks. Go to policyme.com. You'll answer a few questions, find out whether you even need life insurance to begin with, and over a quarter of people said they actually don't. But if you do, you'll get the best options at the best price, quick, easy, simple, online. Policyme.com. And uh, when they ask you how you heard about Policy Me, please make sure you click podcast. Uh, also want to shout out Royal Sports. Euro 22 is beginning on Friday. That'll be uh, a real fun tournament to follow over the course of the next few weeks. And uh, Royal has been, you know, the merch headquarters for all sports, but especially soccer. Um, nations from around the world, the top clubs from around the world, incredible kits, jerseys. They've got it all there in addition to NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, you know, you name it. They've got it. Not to mention the fitness section, disc golf, soccer, baseball, bikes coming out the yin-yang. It's all there in one spot. Royal Sports, 750 Rally, or 750 Pemina Highway, the Superstore, and 650 Rally in EK. And also a big shout out and thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, DQ Niverville, Dairy Queen Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. Um, we all know it's uh, not too nice out right now, but hopefully get a little nice later. Uh, but it's always blizzard weather in Winnipeg at the Nick and Nikki TQ groups. And if you're thinking about uh, maybe a little festivities coming up, get on their cakes. Uh, nobody sells more and you can find out more or even talk to them about a pre-order on Instagram. Give them a follow at DQ Manitoba. All right, Remo, there, there's a lot to get to today uh, from the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and we'll hear from, you know, not all of the players, but a number of them. And, you know, I know there'll be a few interviews that might be for the fan base, a little more contentious, a little more um, controversial, if you will. And we'll get to that with Jeff Hamilton. But I figured the best way to start off Garbage Bag Day would be with the guy that is always positive, always confident, and is the MVP of the Winnipeg Jets year after year. And that, of course, is Connor Hellebuck. And um, we've got a couple clips from Hellebuck that I wanted to play for you. The first one started off on, um, you know, where they're at right now and uh, and winning now and in the future. I think every single organ- organization out there should be like that. Um, I mean, every year you don't want to waste a year just going guessing. You want you want to win and. Um, I think having the conversations I've had now, I think they do want to win and they want to win now and they're, they're looking for the right pieces. And I mean, my mindset is now and next year I'm going to say the same thing. And you also don't want to blow it for future years. So you want to be smart about it, but um, I think our organization definitely wants it now and they're going to do what they have to do. 
winning now and the uh, the urgency to win now. And, you know, that's exactly what I think you'd expect to hear from the goaltender. And certainly that needs to be the message from the organization to the goaltender, Remus, is how important he has been in getting wins for the Winnipeg Jets. I think we all know that um, there'd be a hell of a lot less W's in Winnipeg if Connor Hellebuck wasn't in the net. Yeah, um, Connor Hellebuck, I mean, he is the reason why they were able to go so far. You look at his save percentage against Edmonton, it's incredible. I mean, throughout the year, when the games where they would get outshot, he would be there making save after save. And even in Montreal, it could have been so much worse if he wasn't stopping all those odd man opportunities. He was so, so good in game four. I mean, yeah. the whole series, he was good. But the fact that that game got to overtime was just a perfect example of how this guy stands up in every situation for this hockey club and gives them a chance to win. I mean, to be honest, speaking of a chance to win, the the concept that after that 60 minutes of hockey, that the Jets had a chance, they were one shot away from getting the series back to Winnipeg, um, a big testament to just how good Hellebuck has been and was for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, the other thing I love about Hellebuck, being a positive guy, he, uh, he will always, I mean, he in a lot of ways, envisions things and tries to believe them. And I think he's done that personally with him, believing that he can be the best, working to do it, and then coming through with the Vezina Trophy season and the play that he's had this year. But he also believes that for his team. And uh, he uh, said, they're not just close to winning, but uh, in true Hellebuck fashion, said, close to being a dynasty. Well, you know, we every year, we it seems like we had a new, new piece at He's a difference maker. Like we had Kyle over here and he started scoring. And then this year we got Stanley and the year before that we had Pionk. And, you know, you can see that the pieces coming in, they're making big moves and they're being, they're playing bigger than themselves. And, and when that core starts to grow like that, that's when you start to get a dominating team. And like, we're close. None, nothing that happened this year was a fluke. We're very close to, to being able to make runs and, being a dynasty, but it's just going to take a few more pieces and and we'll be there. I'll say this about Hellebuck. He does not, he does not set low goals for uh, himself or his team. I mean, I think a lot of people sort of chuckled when you mentioned the word dynasty, because we're talking about multiple championships and, you know, we know how this season ended, but behind all that, behind all that Remus, I mean, I think you got to love that as a jet fan to hear Hellebuck knowing the type of guy he is. I mean, this isn't someone just firing a bunch of bullshit into a microphone. This is a guy that actually believes every single thing that he says. And uh, you know what? When a player like that has that amount of belief, even if it might not seem that way, um, I think it's good for the fan base. There's not a lot of players that can step into a microphone and say something like that. Um, Connor Hellebuck's the one guy on this team that can do it, whether people are buying it or not. Yeah, and I think if this team could, you know, have a long run, it's because he's the goalie. I mean, you look at his numbers, you look at his saves above expectation. Um, he is among the top goalies in the league, and this team needs to go out and get some help for him on defense because he is seeing way too many shots night after night. And we always like hearing from him, hearing his belief in the team. But, I mean, we've kind of seen, I think this is going to be a, a theme throughout the show, that we've kind of, this story that we've seen, the story that was them kind of just no-showing uh, in you know the f- final of the playoffs. We saw it in 2019. We've seen this up-and-down uh, look for a couple of years. And I don't know you know who you're going to go to bring in, but you look at it and, again, it, it's I don't want to say it's a broken record, but we saw, you know, we saw it throughout the season. You said the regular season, the playoffs kind of mirrored each other. Um, you know, you had 
those highs and then you had some real bad lows and but i do admire helba coming out and uh and his comments we do like hearing the from best him. he's the best i mean as i said i will take I- i'll listen to Hellebuck talk about anything. I mean, I, I, he's the one guy, if he had a podcast, I'd be listening the second it dropped every single day with whatever he was talking about. But anyways, it was interesting to see the confidence he has going forward. And um, that's a good thing. You want your most important player to be happy, to be committed and to believe in the future. And it certainly does seem that Connor Hellebuck does. Uh, let's hear from the captain, Blake Wheeler. <clears throat> and you know. Naturally, when you had a team start off the way they did in the playoffs um, and, you know, have a sweep in the first round and feel real good, you, uh, I think people around Winnipeg were hoping that we could make plenty of comparisons to the 2018 squad the way they went. Now, of course, the Jets did have that seven-game epic win in the round two against Nashville and then ended it against the Vegas Golden Knights, unfortunately, after winning game one, losing four straight. Um, They lost four straight in the second round this year to the Montreal Canadiens. And Blake Wheeler was asked about, um, you know, comparing 2018 to where he and his team is right now today. Uh, I think 2018 was, you know, a team that um, was built a lot different than our team now. You know, I mean, our back end was really strong um, in terms of just having veteran guys and, uh, guys that have been here for a while um, is kind of a strength of our team. And, you know, we were, our, our core was still very young, you know, our, our, you know, the, what you consider the core of our team, um, you know, outside of, you know, m- myself probably was, was very, very young. Um, and that core is now, I mean, they're, they're maturing into to men in the primes of their career. So um, I, I, I think that, you know, those two years, the back-to-back years were, you know, they, they, those were probably very real chances to to win it all. Um, I think our team this year, you know, we have a lot of the the makings of what it takes to win it all. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about, you know, the direction that we're headed. I think, um, you know, there's a lot to look forward to for, for our group. There's Captain Blake Wheeler kind of comparing 28 till now. You know, it's interesting. And I guess part of it, Remus, is why the way things ended so disappointing is that, you know, Wheeler's right. Um, Yes, you have a significant difference on the blue line. And I know he's not singling out the defense, is not able to get it done the way the 2018 group did. I mean, it's a different group of athletes, different amount of investment from the organization in salaries on the blue line. That's a big part of those young players that Wheeler referred to in 2018 being more into their prime now, being paid more on second contracts and whatnot. Um, the co- the comparisons, I guess, for Winnipeg Jet teams in 2018 will always be there, especially with this core being close to intact from that group, Reem, um, until they do something else special and maybe um, surpass what they were able to do in their longest playoff run yet. Yeah, 2018, I think you know we're going to be comparing all Jets teams uh, to that team because that team had what it took to win the Stanley Cup. They had defense, they had goaltending, they had the forward depth. Uh, 2019 was very similar, but I think someone wrote in our comments that um, you know the Jets haven't been good since 20 January 2019, and I think January 2019 is definitely a point that we're still looking at. Where you know from 2018 to then, I mean they were on top of uh, you know the expected goals. They were you know, would always outshoot their opponent. But something happened, and we saw that go to, go into the playoffs in 2019, where you know they went down to the Blues, 
they were able to come back, had that heartbreaking game five, which uh, I won't stop talking about, and then the game six. Game five. Which, game which, five. Uh, I know, and game, game, but how about game six? Because we never really talk about game six because it was so horrible. But you look at the the way that they played in this series once, you know, they were facing elimination. It just brought up a lot of those those oh. memories. <clears throat> game three and four was almost like a two-part sequel to game six in 2019, unfortunately. And listen, I mean, we're talking about this year's team. I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole. Maybe we'll have a conversation in the summer sometime. But, you know, you still wonder how that season cratered the way it did when you're coming off 2018 that run expectations are super high you exceed those expectations if it's possible in the first half of the season and then it just went down and then ended up in the first round against the uh, St. Louis Blues who of course then went on to win the damn cup which I don't think anyone was too pleased about Um, obviously coming off a, a series the way that it happened there was a lot of questions about the performance of the team, uh, which led to questions about injuries to the captain, as well as, you know, the message, the coaching. Is this still the way this team should be going forward? Um, No surprise, Blake Wheeler, a big supporter of Paul Maurice, but he touched on all of those in this next clip. This is the captain from this morning. I don't know yet. And, you know, it's it's not... One of my biggest pet peeves is when guys get up and, you know, after the season and start talking about how all their injuries, you know, everyone in that room is playing through something right now. I'm no different. So um going to get, getting, a, you know, some things like that and then just kind of take it from there. We'll see. We'll go next to Paul Friesen from the Winnipeg Sun. Go ahead, Paul. Thanks, Gregor. Uh, Blake, thanks for giving us something to write about. Appreciate that here. Uh, how far do you think your team is away from being the contender for a cup? Well, I think, I mean, I think we're already a, a contender, right? I mean, you, you get into the final eight of 31 teams, uh, you're in the, you're in the conversation. Um, I, I, I think that, like I said, you know, kind of the hardest part is, is formulating a core group of players that you believe are, you know, the identity of your team and the guys that can push you over the hump. Uh, and I think we have that. I mean, that that's that's a great step in the right direction. I mean, you know, starting with our goaltender and then, you know, working around to some of the guys that are now, you know, kind of getting to their mid mid to late twenties. Um, I mean, that's a group you can get really excited about. So now it's just it's just supplementing, you know, just trying to, and that's you know, in a flat cap world, that's going to be Kevin's kind of challenge this summer is how do you how do you fit the pieces in to kind of, you know, push that core over the top and I guess that's what remains to be seen just a couple more for Blake we'll go back to Ken Weave from Sportsnet go ahead Weaver Blake uh, you've been Paul Maurice's biggest backer why is he still the right man to lead this team moving forward I've been on teams where you know the coach has lost the team and the message isn't being received and guys roll their eyes every time he says something and uh, I mean that's just never happened with Paul you know uh, I think you know he his message is still still received. I think um, the guys, you know, have a, just a ton of respect for him because he he's first of all a good a good person and a good man, and he treats us as people. And um, so I, I I think in in some respects, you know, the way Paul handled our team this year was almost as good as he's ever been. I mean, he 
you know, I, I felt a lot of the decisions he made, whether it be line combinations or what have you, were were right on. You know, I think his feel for our team was was really good this year. So, um, you know, he there's a lot of coaches that haven't won playoff rounds, you know, and and uh, you know to to win a playoff round, you know, this year, um, it's not our goal, but there's there there is still some kind of accomplishment in that and you know he he would never acknowledge that because it's not what we're in this business for but um big picture wise to you know make the playoffs win around um you know you, you just have to kind of keep that in perspective and take the positives out of that all right so there's Blake Wheeler uh, touching on uh, injuries the season and uh, of course a little more on his support of coach Paul Maurice and Listen, I, I don't think anyone expected any different. I mean, Ken, you know, posed it in the question that he's always been the biggest backer of Paul Maurice, and I think Paul Maurice has been one of the biggest backers of of Blake Wheeler. I mean, many would say that you know this is, you know, I mean, and he said it in the past. I mean, I don't it's know. The, it's the, the the leaders are the guys that kind of take control the room, and you know, Blake Wheeler's been the guy that's been given the keys to uh, keys to the room, if you will. He along with Mark Shifley. As the uh, as the leaders and the centerpieces, if you will, of this team. Um, and, and listen, I know some people are like, "Oh, I wonder what the co- players are going to say about the coach." Well, listen, the players aren't going to say anything other than what you're hearing. In that, you know, they believe going forward. I mean, what are they going to do? Say, "Yeah, I know the coaching wasn't good. Yeah, it definitely needs to be better." I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to hear anything like that. And you know, whether or not they believe it or not, I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting that for a minute. But if people were expecting, you know, Maurice to get skewered, uh, you know, after the series against Montreal by his own team, um, <laughs> they're going to be waiting for a long time. Um, it, it wasn't surprising, though, to hear Wheeler um, speak like that about Paul Maurice. But in some ways, Remus, the question about the future of the team, um, and Wheeler makes some good points. I mean, I think a lot of people did sort of expect the Jets to be a real borderline team this year. They, for all intents and purposes, you know, clinch a playoff spot with about six weeks left plus in the season. And then ended up, you know, in a very stagnant place, or some would say going in reverse in the final month of the season. Um, but then again, I mean, I think Maurice prepared his team very well. They executed exactly as they needed to against Edmonton. And that sort of erased a lot of the the bad feelings and bad tendencies of the final month of the year. However, they all returned after a nine-day break against the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, I know Wheeler said that, you know, that they've never lost it. You know, they've always responded to the message. Um like, I don't know what the message was in round two against Montreal, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't to do what they did, <laughs> to play the way they did. So, um, you know, true somewhere in the middle, like so many of the things that we've talked about lately. Um, but, Reem, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. I mean, I wasn't expecting really any different than Blake Wheeler, but uh, from Blake Wheeler, especially when it comes to the coach Paul Maurice. Um because I think they do have an incredible amount of respect for Paul, as they should. Um, and I think a lot of the players, they, even the players that were younger that have moved up, have benefited a lot from the way that he has helped them, you know, turn into the players that they are right now. Um, but it is hard to ignore the big picture of the amount of time. Um, the amount of time coaches normally, you know, run their um, the full circle with a, with a club and with a group. And... Um, now, it, it makes a lot of sense as to why we're getting some of these questions about the Winnipeg Jets. And is it the right thing to move forward status quo after, um, you know, another season of ups and downs as we've uh, as we've alluded to? I don't. So I'm just having a computer issue. Um, I can't see my mouse cursor. So um, 
Oh, I'm geez. trying to tr- I'm trying to troubleshoot that. So like I can't do anything right now. I'm I'm actually really annoyed. So, so uh, any amateur IT guys in the chat yeah. want to uh, give a couple of <laughs> give a Matthew, couple of like, suggestions I have two, here? I have oh control delete did it. Oh man. Colton. Oh, Colton. Colton Locke, MVP oh, of the WST. <laughs> save, Colton, save the stream. Oh, my God. Colton. <laughs> wow. Colton, send us an email. Send us an email. We'll hook you yeah. up with something from the, uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely, the tickle trunk, the tickle trunk will be loaded in. Oh, Remus is back. I'm back. Uh, I'm back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Colton, you are, delete. you're the man. All it took me was to, you know, get one of our loyal WST listeners yeah. to come in with a little IT help live on the air. I, and we got it done. <laughs> I knew someone. <laughs> I knew someone would be able to to help. I had to bring it up. I was like sitting there like Googling, how do I fix Colton this? is replacing Remus. Ice cream cake for Colton. Colton oh deserves beer God. and ice cream. <laughs> Colton's the man. That's amazing. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, we did have a little break on that. I hope you were all entertained as Remus yeah. freaked out and Colton bailed us out in the middle of a program, but we can't get back to it. I mean, listen, before we move on, Reem, now that um, your blood pressure can go down and you can relax... Oh. Um, it's a tense moment here. <laughs> uh, Wheeler, Maurice, I mean, we know how close these individuals are, the respect they have for each other. Um, and really, I, I mean, I think when you talk about, you know, when people expecting, you know, some significant changes moving forward of the club and why so often even fans of Paul Maurice, I think, will entertain that maybe, um, you know, maybe they would consider going in a different direction or making some sort of change is that if you have the same coach, if you have the same players, going forward i mean there will be some tweaks to the roster but i don't think it's going to be you know massively different next year at least amongst those core pieces um if you don't change coaching or the message or any of that do you change some of the core pieces and i think it's pretty clear that the organization's made a pretty significant commitment long term to blake wheeler to be the captain going forward but a big part of that was working with paul maurice so i mean you certainly do understand the relationship between those two have been running the show here for a pretty good amount of time mm-hmm. um and the question of some in the fan base is to is that the best way to continue going on and expect different results going further in the postseason um, hold on, I'm responding to these in chat. Yeah, and, and, I, and I can see why Blake would be in favor of Paul Maurice. I mean, one thing that was the big criticism early this year, we were all on Blake Wheeler. I mean, beginning of the season, he didn't look like himself at all, and he disclosed after that he had a he was injured, and you could see that. But I think the puzzling thing from the season for a lot of people is, well, why was he still getting top minutes when he clearly wasn't playing up to the level he's seen? He was clearly injured. And so if Blake Wheeler, you know, he keeps getting those top minutes... You know, keeps being on, you know, number one power play, you know, getting to play with the guys who he wants to. Of course, he's going to be in favor of of the coach. And um, I don't know if that's, I guess, just just the way things have gone. So, um, you know, Blake Wheeler, he's been, you know, he's been the leader for a while. And and that's that's just the way that it's been, Huss. So I'm not surprised. I'm not, and I'm also not surprised. I mean, a player is going to come out. I think we all know, everyone in chat knows. Hey, what do you think of the coach? Players aren't gonna be like, oh man, yeah, he's he sucked. I hate that guy. Yeah, well, listen, even no if there are guys, that. if there are, is anyone in the group, it's not Blake Wheeler. <laughs> I mean, like he's the last yeah. guy that would right. be because you know, I mean, I think they've been in lockstep with so many, and I think I think Wheeler's a big influence on Maurice as well. I mean, the way that those two work together, you can tell the respect between the two. So that was interesting. We'll talk more about Wheeler's comments with Hamilton a little bit later on, uh, but let's get to Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, I know. Many of you were wondering 
um, whether we would, um, you know, hear that Pierre-Luc Dubois was playing hurt. And I think a lot of people wanted to hear that, wanted to have some sort of an explanation why his playoff, and especially this round in the absence of Mark Scheifele, was so underwhelming. Um, but, you know, to Dubois' credit, he didn't make any excuses when it comes to injuries. Talked about somewhat of a rough start and, uh, you know, a season with plenty of ups and downs after his first trade in the NHL. Uh, no, I'm not hurt. I mean, I'm as hurt as anybody, uh, bruises and, and scratches and stuff like that. But, um, you know, nothing, nothing major that, you know, affected my game. Um, yeah. And then the playoffs, uh, for the second part of your question, I guess. Um, I mean, I'm someone who expects a lot from myself and, uh, you know, I'm, I'll be the first guy to, to say that you know, I, I didn't, I didn't play how I should have. Um, you know, I didn't play how I, I thought I, I could and how I know I can. Um, you know, it's it was a disappointing year for me. Um, you know, it was a lot of ups and downs. Uh, but, you know, there's the only person, uh, the only person to blame is, is me. Um, you know, it wasn't easy. But like Shrive said, um, you know, in life there's, there's setbacks. Uh, this summer is going to be a big, important summer. Um to get ready for next season, next training camp, and, and to get it going when we're back. Go back to Paul Friesen for a follow-up. Go ahead, Paul. I'm just wondering what you attribute it to, Pierre-Luc. I know you had the, the tough start where you had to quarantine, and, and did it just never get on track for you after that, or is there something else? Uh, I mean, to be honest, it's, uh, I mean, when I look back at this year and the future, I mean, I'm going to, look back and, and think that, you know, there's not much I didn't, I didn't go through, um, you know, from, from the two week quarantine, uh, coming back, getting injured, um, you know, then playing, you know, we didn't have a lot of practices, so kind of hard to get in that rhythm. Um, you know, it's, it, it wasn't easy when you get to a new team, you know, you, you want to fit in, you want, you want it to be the, the perfect fit. For me, you know, it was it was kind of hard finding what what that was. Um, you know, I had a a hard time, you know, trying to to find what I can do. Um, you know, like I said, it's at, at the end of the day, it's our job to to be the best players we can be and, and to help the team win. And um, you know, it, it was it was hard for me this year to to, to adjust. Um, you know given a factor, you know, many reasons, I think, but at the end of the day, you only have yourself to blame and, and you, you know, I, I know I, I can be better. I can be a lot better. Um, you know, I have this year was my fourth year in the NHL and, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with my first three years, um, you know, and one year doesn't define you. Um, and, you know, my confidence of who I am and what I can do, you know, had don't, don't change just because, of one disappointing season. There's Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, you know, Reem, I'll give Pierre a lot of credit, uh, Pierre-Luc a lot of credit for what uh, what he said. That's not an easy, um, that's not an easy question to answer. Uh, and I'm sure he's been thinking about it nonstop. And I'm sure it's been keeping him up at night as to, you know, what has gone wrong this season. Not to mention, you know, the, the amount of pressure that increased on his shoulders when Mark Scheifele went out, as I mentioned, it was a huge opportunity for Dubois to erase a lot of the things that happened earlier in the season. And then it almost went from bad to worse. And we talked about him ending up on the fourth line in game number four at one point after starting on the top line. So 
I mean, there, there were some miserable times for Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think, overall. But I, I will say this. I appreciated his attitude. And, you know, I've said before, at times, there hasn't been a lot of accountability at times, at least publicly. I mean, I don't know what happens behind closed doors. Uh, but he did, at the end, put it on himself uh, and said that he needs to, you know, go back, work his ass off this summer, come back a better player, put this one in the rear view, and and deliver to the Winnipeg Jets organization what they were looking for when they traded Line A and Rossovic to get him here to the peg. Yeah, he uh, really struggled. We were waiting for something from him, uh, you know, for the last 20 games or so where he went goalless, 22 games, and we never saw that. And we were waiting for him to step up in the playoffs, and he didn't. And I see uh, Gilbert and Chet saying everyone gives him a pass. Joke, we're not giving him a pass. We're said... We said he was terrible. Uh, yeah, he, he said he got demoted to the pass. fourth line. And, and yeah. I'll tell you what, and I think in some ways he's sort of been singled out for this series against Montreal. And part of it, as I mentioned, the minute Shifley went out, the pressure on Dubois to step up and perform at the center position, which was what they got him for, uh, you know, was cranked up tenfold. And then it, you know, and then nothing happened. Although I do have a hard time with so many people focusing on a Dubois in the Montreal series. I mean, he wasn't very good. But, man, he had a lot of company in that department when you go down the list of jet forwards and the lack of production. And, listen, there was a lot that went into it. I mean, certainly the problems the Jets had in their own end played into it. I mean, they had such a difficult time even getting the puck out of their own end. It is, you know, it's unrealistic to expect that you're going to be able to create the offense that you normally do having the puck so little. Uh, but certainly the forwards played into that as well. And a lot of times in situations like this, people want to have a scapegoat. They want to have one guy that they can point to. Um, and listen, it's part of being a professional athlete. And we knew that when Dubois came here, traded for Patrick Line, there would be you know, in, an incredible amount of scrutiny on this young man. Um, and things didn't go well for him. And that is why you have questions like this. But I, I will say this, Reem, um, you know, he is just 22 years old. I mean, I think it's insane for people to sort of write off Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, uh, you know, yeah, he wasn't very good against the Montreal Canadiens, but uh, there's not a lot of guys that really were, to be perfectly honest with you. But I understand why he gets the attention right now, especially considering the way the season ended. Yeah, I'm of the belief, Hus, that if you display a skill, you own that skill. So we know what he's capable of. And I've heard a lot of GMs say, and I think, you know, in other sports too, we saw this in baseball last year. I mean, if you had a rough year, this year, I think teams are willing to give you a pass. We know that it was challenging and strange, not obviously for not for just NHL players, for everyone. So if you had a tough year, I think next year is the time to rebound. So I'm not, I'm not out on him. I want, you know, give him next year. Let's see what he can do. Obviously, very disappointing. And, you know, he didn't look like a player you would trade a Patrick Line for. But, I mean, Line also had a tough year on the other side yeah. as well. So uh, I think, that, again, this is a trade we're going to be talking about for a while. I'm not going to say that he's a terrible player going forward or but I'm not going to say you know we'll wait I'm going to say we'll wait everyone knows the Jets need way more from Pierre-Luc Dubois and um, that will need to be the case and to be honest they're probably saying the same thing in Columbus right now pretty amazing the way that trade worked out or didn't work out for both clubs so far this season we're going to hear from Mark Shifley in a second Uh, do want to thank not Autocorp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one First group that came on and said, we want you guys to do this and we want to support you. And um, it's great to see so many people supporting Not Autocorp. Um, incredible selection of vehicles, including uh, Teslas, 
beautiful sports cars, SUVs, you name it, they have it. Not to mention an incredible consignment program to help you get max value for your present vehicle or get out of a lease and move in to the car of your dreams with the Not Team. They'll also fix your car if you need it. They'll detail it. They will do it all. Not Autocorp, Waverly, and McGilvery. Or find out more online at their website at not.ca. Why not? And uh, thinking of why not, why not crack an ice cold little brown jug after you're finished working today? May I suggest the incredible new summer lager? There's the can, as well as the very popular new Hefeweizen. As I said, it doesn't look see through. Doesn't look see through when you do it uh, that way. 1919, you can see them all there. And as I've been telling you for the last week or so, they recently relaunched their website at littlebrownjug.ca, making it easier than ever to pop on, order your favorite Little Brown Jug products, and get them delivered directly to your home. Get ready for the weekend or maybe even a little earlier this week by going to littlebrownjug.ca, getting your favorite products, and they will deliver them to you. And, of course, Breezy Bend Country Club. We do have another tournament this week on tour leading into next week's U.S. Open. Cannot wait for that. Um, I've been getting some pictures from Breezy over the last few days of some of my buddies that have gone out and either played with their girlfriends because they uh, can't play with anyone they don't live with or a few solo rounds. And my God, the course is looking absolutely mint. Cannot wait to get out there. If you're thinking about an incredible golf home for your family next year, find out more at breezybend.ca or give Corey Johnson a call. Get you on the waiting list for Manitoba's premier club for the entire family. And you can spend a little time on an amazing 19th hole patio as well over at Breezy Bend. All right. Uh, Jeff Hamilton is going to join us in just a second. Remote, before we bring Jeff in, I do want to play. Maybe we won't play the entire Mark Shifley uh, bit, but let's play clip number four. Um, it, it was a very interesting, interesting little back and forth with Shifley in the media today. Uh and this kind of goes back to the nobody believed in us mantra that we heard from Wheeler and some Jets going into the series against Edmonton. Um, here's Mark Shifley from this morning in his uh, media availability to end the season with the Jets. Naturally, people always ask questions about the coach when a team maybe doesn't get to where people think they should be. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Paul Maurice as your coach uh, this season and, and going forward? Well, first of all, you say, you know, a team that, you know, you guys wrote, wrote us off from the beginning. You know, you guys, the media, you know, had us not making the playoffs, being a bottom feeder in the league. So, you know, that's where, you know, you guys, you guys, you guys get caught, you know, contradicting your guys selves all the time. So, you know, you guys, you guys didn't have any hope for this team um, from, from day one. Um and I think we proved you guys wrong all season long. You know, we, you know, we made the playoffs. We swept the, swept the Edmonton Oilers. We went to the second round in the playoffs. You know, obviously it didn't end the way we wanted to. But, you know, I have full support in Paul Maurice. And I, you know, I, I know I'm not alone there. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys that love him. He's a, he's a fantastic coach. Um, you know, he's, he, he's definitely one of the good ones in this league. And, you know, he definitely has my full support. And, you know, that's, you know, what happened in Toronto, um, you know, that's, that's learning lessons. That, that, that's, that's coaching. That's, you know, a player, you know, I'm a guy that loves to learn. I'm a guy that loves to improve my game. And I want, I want the coach to push me. I want my peers to push me. You know, that, that's what makes good teams. That, that's what makes, you know, that's what bonds, you know, relationships is, 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 you know, your peers, you know, your, 
you know, the, you know, the, the forms of authority pushing you for, for more and pushing you for better. And that's, you know, that's, that's hockey. That's, that's, that's the business we're in. You want to be pushed to be better. You want to be pushed to be a better person, a better player, you know, a more hardworking player, you know, everything, everything in this world, you want to be pushed to, to want more. And, you know, that only motivates you. That only motivates me as a person. And, um, you know, that's the way I look at every, at every setback, at every good thing, at every bad thing, you know, you never can get too, too high. You never can get too low. You just have to keep pushing for more. And, you know, I thought this team pushed for more, you know, we were written off from, from day one of this season. Um, you know, we have the, you know, that <laughs> that's about it. We were, we were written off from day one and we, we proved people wrong all season long. And, you know, we go through that slide, uh, you know, towards the end of the year and we were written off again. You know, everyone wanted the wanted a Calgary Flames Edmonton Oilers series, and you know we we proved people wrong. We made the playoffs. We won our first round, and you know I think you know I think that's where that's where my head's at is that you know we proved people wrong, and we want to continue to prove people wrong. You know we don't get a lot of respect in the in uh, you know the grand scheme of things. You know everyone wants the you know Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers um, and the Montreal Canadiens to to be going on. No one wants the Winnipeg Jets to to do anything. But, you know, that's the, the, that's what Winnipeg is made of. You know, our community is made of hardworking people that, that, that grind for every inch. And, you know, we're, we're, we're that team that wants to grind for every inch and, uh, and prove people wrong on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, that's, that's who the Winnipeg Jets are. All right. So there's Mark Shifley. And I got to say, I kind of love that. I, and I don't know how based in truth <laughs> much of what Mark Shifley had to say, I love the way he ended it. Um, he seems like a pretty angry young man right now. And I can imagine it must have been. I mean, there's a, a lot of things that he's questioning about what happened. Well, listen, he's still pretty steadfast. He doesn't think he did anything wrong. And he thinks he got screwed by NHL player safety. I think some of that came in. Um, but the, I, but I'm always here for a Winnipeg versus everybody story. So, um, but I did somewhat laugh at the categorizations that the entire media had written the Jets off from the start. Well, let's find out more from one of those media members that wrote the Jets off right from day one and never believed in them for a second. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, what's up? What, what, what did you think about that from Scheif this morning? I'm with you in the sense that, yeah, I mean, great. I mean, love the passion. You know, I mean, he's a self-proclaimed worst loser out there. And, you know, I wrote a profile on him a few years back, and that's pretty much what it was based on. So, I mean, his comments aren't crazy surprising. I mean, there were a lot of people that wrote the Jets off, you know, fairly or unfairly. Um, you know, I, I'm with you, Huss, in the sense that I don't think it's completely uh, accurate. And I'm not sure, you know, when they say media, you know, especially when Mark goes on about like everyone wants the Edmonton Oilers, the Montreal Canadiens, the Toronto Maple Leafs, while he's obviously talking out of province, right? So we're talking about a guy who's mad at like the Hockey Night in Canada panel or the TSN panels and look at their predictions. And I'm not saying there weren't locals, but from my understanding or my remembering, I think we all had the Jets kind of hovering at that fourth position. Now, nobody was confident that they were going to be some juggernaut like they had been in, in previous seasons. But if you looked at the 2020 year, the Jets got in the playoffs because of points percentages not because they were really good and they didn't do anything really to their back end to improve so a lot of people thought they would be hovering around that position in the you know in the bubble and then when you took into consideration what Montreal was able to do last year um, you know and the fact that they were going to be playing an all-Canadian division I think a lot of people had the Jets at at the four um, 
you know, at, at that fourth spot, maybe the fifth spot, maybe just on the outside looking in or just getting in. I know that my predictions was they were going to be fourth with a tough time kind of being a being that bubble team, which I think, you know, yes, they ended three, but they were kind of exactly that. And then ultimately in the playoffs, they impressed and then they, you know, the wheels fell off. I will say one thing, though, about Marks that I completely agree with, and that's Winnipeggers being hardworking, grinding forever inch. I just don't think the Winnipeg Jets did that against the Montreal Canadiens. No, you're exactly right. And uh, yeah, listen, the end of that was amazing. I mean, that is uh, in wrestling jargon. That's like the old thing. And we do it all here for the good people of Winnipeg. And you yeah, get the big exactly. pop from the crowd. I mean, I think fans were there for that. But, for sure. you know, that sort of uh, anger, frustration, determination, regardless of where it is directed at, um, you know, I think can you know hopefully only be a good thing for a team that, I mean, and especially for a player, Jeff, that, yeah. you know, is not going to be in the home opener or not going to be in the opening game of next year. I mean, he's going to have to sit on this throughout the entire season, the entire offseason, get to training camp and probably still deal with it as well going in and finally playing in game, game two. Um, the one thing I'll say is, I mean, Shifley overall, and I know we don't really talk about the season because there's so much a focus on the playoffs and what had happened. I will give him credit. I thought he had a really good season. I mean, I know there were some moments, and we've talked about getting benched in Toronto, um, that weren't highlights for him. But overall, I really do think he took a big step forward. I think it's a big reason why the Jets were able to do what they did. Um, you know, and especially, I got to give him a lot of credit in that entire line. I know there's been a lot of talk about Wheeler in, you know, in this season. I thought Wheeler was phenomenal in the first round, doing everything that they needed to do. And I think Mark Shifley really rose to that challenge. And, Listen, I know he was only there for the one game and wasn't part of the rest of the series against Montreal, but that, I think, they're going to need that and then some, and Mark Scheif to continue to develop going forward. But I really do think that there was a lot of good to take out of this season, specifically for 55. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, there were certain things that I think, you know, he certainly didn't have a bad season. I'll agree with you. He had a pretty good season. I think the expectations on Mark Shifley need to be higher beyond just points because there's a hierarchy on this team that is impenetrable. Like, the leash that Blake Wheeler has, the leash that Mark Shifley have, they're really, really long. They're going to get their opportunities. If they're not getting a point in a game, it's kind of like, well, why not? You're getting, you know, Mark, no one has more ice time than Mark Shifley and forward. Nobody is getting over the bench quicker on the power play. Um, you know, so he, he's going to have to get points. The thing that's still missing in Mark Shifley's game, and you, at this point, you got to start wondering if it's ever going to be there, um, you know, and maybe it's not fair. I think it's fair, um, is for him to be a driver, you know, someone to take over games. And, and as much as he contributed in you know, in, in, in the regular season points wise, I don't think you can point back to a ton of games where it was like that was Mark Shifley taking over. So, you know, there's still a step in his game that I believe is still there. It's still going to, you know, possibly still going to come. Um, you know, it was a unique season, everything considered with COVID and, and, and the challenges that come with that. And obviously, Mark Shifley is a player this team missed uh, in that second round. There's well, no yeah, Jeff, you know, just speaking of it, I mean, maybe the best argument that Mark Shifley absolutely is a driver is what they looked like when Mark Shifley wasn't in the lineup. Well, you know, I, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? I, you know, obviously Mark Shifley was a big piece of that, but Paul Stastny wasn't in early on and neither was Dylan DeMello on a defense that desperately needed him. So, you know, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily make that argument that he's a driver. I'd make that argument that he's a key contributor in the sense that he, you know, he, he adds up the points, but you know, in that situation, I think the defense was in a, a really bad spot with Dylan DeMello being out because, and very much like, 
um, Mark Scheifele being out, the trickle effect is it, it just it, it, it's just damning, right? I mean, if you look at the lineup, you know, this team claimed to be more mature that they they could they could get through the adversity that they suffered last playoffs. That you know, a couple guys out of the lineup wasn't a big issue and all that. Clearly, that's not the case because you know when you have a situation with Mark, he's up at your top line center. Pierre Luc Dubois gets promoted to that first spell. He does next to nothing essentially, and then you got to put somebody else up on there. Andrew Kopp to me is a very solid player. I thought he had a great, um, great year, uh, regular season in particular. I don't think he's a qualified top six centerman. I think he plays well on the wing. I, I, I dub him as a as a centerman's assistant, if you will, because we know how great he is. Uh, you know, on the defensive side of the game and helping out players like Mark Shifley who aren't as good in the in their own zone defensively. So um, that's nothing against him. I just think it's a tough spot to then him be your number two centerman. Uh, the defense, though, I think it was an absolute crapshoot once Dylan DeMello came out. I mean, the defense was already the, this this team's weak point. Now to have guys put in, you know, no offense to Jordy Ben, but, you know, he's getting up there in age. He wasn't playing a lot of hockey, and he gets inserted because DeMello, DeMello's out. So, you know, I think that's the biggest issue with the Jets right now because there's a trickling effect with all that, right? I mean, you have the goaltender that's going to that's gonna iron out some of those wrinkles, as we saw in round one, and then, you know, but the defense, it starts in their own zone. It starts with breaking out the puck. The Jets were absolutely horrendous at breaking the puck out in, in, in the playoffs, particularly in that second round. The neutral zone game has been eliminated with the fact that the defense aren't able to, they aren't able to get clean breakouts. They aren't able to take advantage of that space between the blue lines. And then the scoring. I mean, yes, Logan Stanley had two goals. That was incredible for the Winnipeg Jets. Unfortunately, they can't get it done in overtime, but they weren't getting a lot of offense from it because the defense can't close the gaps quick enough. They're almost kind of playing too cautious. So I think this team, and you know, and I know these players do not like, and part of Mark, let's get something clear. Part of Mark Shifley's angst is having to get asked questions about the hit again, having to, you know, share those feelings and opinions. And a lot of these guys on this team don't like hard questions. That's a fact. So a lot of these things, you know, kind of add up. But at the end of the day, I think the frustration with this team and the team, you know, if you start looking at questions on what you do moving forward, it's addressing that defensive uh, part of the game. And maybe it's going to cost you a couple guys up front to get that done. All right, Jeff, um, we've got an interesting um, question from the YouTube chat from a Hef Jamilton. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hef Jamilton, welcome, welcome. Um, uh, Remo and I talked about, um, we heard from Pierre-Luc Dubois and talked about his season and what we had to say. I mean, um, Hef would like to know uh, just thoughts on uh, Dubois, the ups and more downs of him, the way this season ended and uh, how integral he will be going forward and how important it is to get him to be the player they thought they were getting when they traded line A for him. Yeah, it's massive because who knows what happens with Mark Scheifele in a couple of years, right? When his contract is up, he might be looking for a payday somewhere else. I mean, that's just the reality of this of this league. Um, I do think, you know, when you when the first part of the question, I believe, was, you know, I, I, I don't think I think he had obviously a tough year uh, coming in. I mean, I don't know if it's easy to quite understand where we're sitting or where the average fan is sitting of, of taking two weeks off in season and having to get up to speed with a new team and all that stuff then getting injured uh, early on. And then but, you know, by the end of it, you'd like to think that he'd figure things out. If you're if you're the Winnipeg Jets 
or you're a fan of the Winnipeg Jets, you're desperately hoping that this was a one-off for Pierre-Luc Dubois because, you know, as we know, I mean, you you, you ship Patrick Laine the other way and, you know, there was a very, you know, Laine was obviously a polarizing player. I think a lot of people appreciated, obviously, his his abilities and, and particularly his ability to score. So when you replace a guy like that, there are heavy expectations. And when, when all you're hearing about is how dominant he was in the playoffs the year before against the Toronto Maple Leafs as a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets, when you've actually been able to see some of the positive things he's done, um, you know, the expectations remain high. And I think that, I think, you know, he kind of alluded to it in his, in in his interview this morning and and he's alluded to it uh, in previous interviews, just about, I think there is a bit, an effort from him trying to do too much, right? Like I think he tried to be that player that everyone had been talking about. You know, a lot of the conversation part of it at least was talking about how Pierre-Luc Dubois might even become the number one centerman and, and, and perhaps by the end of the year and Mark Scheifele would be bumped down. Obviously that's not how it turned out. Now, beyond the thing about hoping that maybe it's a one-off, we do need to kind of understand this kid's 22 years old and he's still kind of growing into his game in a lot of ways. The other thing too is I don't think he handles – that pressure very well. I mean, he can claim to put the most pressure on himself. I'm sure that's the case. But, you know, when when things got hot, he just seemed to be, you know, seemed to even get colder and colder, right? Like he never really found his footing. He never really found that confidence. Um, he didn't score a goal in, in a bunch of games, obviously. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of question marks for him. But you like to hear him say this offseason is going to be a big, important one. And as we've said this before, Huss, is like there is an ability to flip the script. A lot of people, you know, you have to carry that into your offseason. You have to make sure that that motivates you, um, that you are putting in the work. And I'm sure he is. There's no doubt in my mind he is. He's 22 years old as well. So he's going to be 23 this year. He's not young, 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 but he's certainly not old. So there is a lot of time for him. Let's just uh, assume he puts in a good offseason and, and, you know, he, he's capable of, of turning the script next year. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press with us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, wrapping up garbage bag day from the Winnipeg Jets after hearing from some of the players. Sounds like we'll hear from Coach Paul Maurice and General Manager Kevin Shevelday off tomorrow, which will be very interesting. And needless to say, I mean, there was a bunch of questions for the players. There'll be questions for the coach and the general manager. From your perspective, Jeff, I mean, if uh, let, let's just say you're the you're the top dog in the organization, you're the final decision maker, Mark Chip, and you look at what's happened with this team. Is the scrutiny on the performance of the players? Is the scrutiny on the coaching staff that's been here with this group for a long time or the long-serving general manager? Um, Where do you start with this group as far as evaluating? If you're going to make a change or tweak something, is there one of those three aspects that stands out above the others to you? In a word, yes. Um, All of them. I, I, I honestly don't think there is a, you know, which is the first one you address. I think this team top to bottom, whether it's the players, obviously this is something you do every off season um, with expiring contracts, finding out who's valuable, what, you know, what your team makeup is going to be. Um, but it has to extend obviously to the coaching staff and upwards to general manager, Kevin Sheveldayoff. I mean, the, each one where each, each area that you mentioned, where's this, I mean, where were the Winnipeg, like what, what team did we see in the second round? I mean, I mean, this was an this was a team who clearly like I mean, I'll just say it. This is a very mentally thin skinned team because when they were 
when they were the underdogs and everybody was claiming that they were they were going to get swept by the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers are so good. They had to answer, you know, a hundred questions about Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They took the chip on their shoulder. They used it and they almost beat the Oilers out of spite. Now, they didn't beat them easily. As we know, three of those games went into overtime and that first game had a couple empty netters. It was essentially a one goal game. Flip the script going into the next series and no longer is it you against the world. In fact, you're the favorites. Everyone's buzzing. Everyone's talking about how good the Jets are that holy smokes were we wrong about those predictions that the Edmonton Oilers are dust compared to the Winnipeg Jets and then once once you no longer had anyone to point at and say oh they're giving us flack or they're counting us out you get swept by a team who went seven games against the Toronto Maple Leafs so you know that that series to me exposed every single one of those areas the players obviously they didn't even look like they had systems now I'm not pretending to be an X is an O you know put me in the seat you're allowing me to to opine about these things but I think it was pretty easy to watch that the Jets couldn't get out of their own zone they couldn't generate speed out of the neutral zone they couldn't get sustained pressure in the offensive zone and they couldn't score so something's got to give that scream systems which then goes to the head coach I mean it's great that these guys are willing to stand behind Paul Maurice and Paul Maurice is a very very good man that's there is no doubt about it he is a nice human being and that's a value in professional sports particularly in this era when you have younger kids coming in that kind of tough love no longer exists that existed in Paul Maurice earlier in his career and he's learned over time how to evolve and handle these younger players and that again is a very important asset but if you can't implement the systems and get the players to do the system it doesn't matter if they sing your praises what matters is that they're doing their job. So if you need to bring in, you know, an ass to come in here and force these guys to do their systems and they don't feel, you know, all warm and, and, and good at the end of the day, so be it. I mean, there has to be a balance there. So there has to be held accountable. And then you go one step further and you look at the Jets and what they were able to do, you know, in that first round. And then you ask yourself, well, why didn't we, why didn't the Jets get the D man that they needed? Now it's easier said to, and then done to deliver, but that's still your job as the general manager to look at the situation and look how frustrated Kevin Sheveldayoff was when he couldn't get that D-man, right? I mean, he knew he had an opportunity with this team that if he could find another, not just, you know, not a Jordy Ben, obviously, no offense to Jordy Ben. It's not his fault that he got, you know, traded to the Winnipeg Jets and was used as, you know, that safety piece, if you will. But you didn't get the guy. And so you felt like you had the team and you swung and missed. So that there's a consequence there. At the end of the day, we have a team that's been here for 10 years a head coach that's been here for what seven or eight of those seven of those years uh and and, and a gm that's been here for all of them and you have one run you know you have one run that you end up getting beat by an expansion team in the western conference final that was an exciting run for the winnipeg jets since then it's kind of just been like up and down mostly down a little bit up here and then you know it was what it was in the second round against the Habs. yeah well You know, listen, winning ain't easy in the National Hockey League. And, you know, there's only eight teams that got to the second round of the 31 that we're playing this year. So, I mean, it's not like they didn't accomplish anything or didn't do anything. And I think, you know, in some ways they did uh, exceed the expectations of a lot of people. I mean, maybe uh, maybe they're a playoff team. Let's face it. Nobody had them running through the Edmonton Oilers like they did. And I know it was a very close series. But at the end, I mean, it's who won the games and who didn't. Winnipeg won four, Edmonton won zero. But... The complete reversal on that as favorites against the Habs is, um, you know, it's sort of erased so much of 
like what they did in the first round now to be sitting here having these conversations. As I said, it, it was very similar to the, the regular season and that, you know, the first two thirds of the year, they were winning their close games. They were doing a lot of things that, you know, separate winning and losing on a thin margin. Connor Hellebuck was great in their 13 games over 500. Well, the last month of the season was a disaster and, you know, it seemed very urgent to get things together. Now, to their credit, they got it done, played very well the way they needed to play. I give Maurice a lot of credit for the message, the plan going into the Edmonton series, and it worked and they won. But the way things fell apart during Montreal, it's very similar to what happened. It was great that you did all that good stuff in the first two-thirds of the season, but in the final month when you lose 9 of 10 and 7 in a row, um, and then that reemerges with an opportunity to make it to the final four, definitely concerning. And, and that's, I think why Jeff, when you hear the message from the players, you know, we love Paul, the, the message is the same. We all believe in it. Well, it's one thing from kind of buying in and another thing from actually doing it on the ice. And um, that's the real disconnect. I think even from people that are big supporters of, of, of Paul and, and what he's done and the man that he is and what he means to the organization. Um, I think you might have more people considering, you know, you know, maybe maybe we're just at the end of the run for this group together. And listen, you can make an argument that's not necessarily the coach, but I think that if you come back and keep running it back with the general manager the same, the coach and the coaching staff the same, and Blake Wheeler the captain, and Mark Shifley the assistant, and those guys being the epicenter of everything Winnipeg Jets, um, I'm not sure we should expect different results, even if you can add a little bit more on the blue line or something like that. Yeah, you know, I think that's a fair statement, Huss. I mean, you never know. I mean, maybe they're trying to do what the Bombers did in the sense that let's stick with this group and it's just around the corner. That's you know, good point. I think, that, I think that conversation needs – or I think that's obviously something being decided upon by, you know, ownership and Mark Chipman. Are we close? Are we – you know, there's a lot of things that the Winnipeg Jets need to – um, you know, need to figure out before they just fire their head coach, right? I mean, the, the Jets really are a team that you can't sell your car until you bought a new one. So you need to have, like, you know, you can't just get rid of a coach like Paul Maurice and then just hope to find one on the market. You kind of need to, you know, you kind of need to have an agreement with someone or, or a good understanding that someone would come over and that they gel well with your team, right? Because because of that, because of how fondly some of the players, particularly the Blake Wheelers and the Mark Shifleys and the the guys who are logging a ton of the minutes and pretty much dictate the what goes on in that room. If you bring in a guy that they don't appreciate or they don't respect or add to the fact that you lost a guy that they did, um, I think you can put yourself in a, in a difficult situation. I think you might even be able to, you know, because let's face it, like Blake Wheeler has a lot of say in that room. You know, what if a new coach comes in and doesn't want to build around Blake? And I think that's a big big thing that the Jets need to consider is, you know, Blake Wheeler played through injuries, not very well, but he got upset the fact that, you know, we were wondering why he was playing 20 plus minutes with cracked ribs and wasn't, you know, willing to go to any of the dirty areas. And then when he got healthy, he played a little bit better, but you know what? The reality is, is that there's going to be a coach that's want to that's going to want to come in and get online or do their own thing with this team. The other part is the head coach has to be on the same page as, Kevin Sheveldayoff and Mark Chipman, because Mark Chipman's also a very involved uh, person in the day-to-day of the Winnipeg Jets. So it, it's a bit of an interesting <laughs> situation with this club um, that you can't just get rid of a guy. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are, are going to play into it. I, personally, if you were to ask me what happens next year, I think you're going to see exactly the same thing. I, I don't think Paul Maurice is gone. I think there's enough for the ownership to justify keep bringing him back in the sense of they won that first series when everyone counted them out. Um, you know, Mark Shifley being 
essentially eliminated from that series after game one. Uh, that will pl- probably play into the decision making. So, or at least kind of ease off some of the bad play in that second round. But I- I'm with you. Like, I mean, unless there's a bit of a change here or unless, you know, I really do think that there isn't a lot of room to grow for some of these players because I feel like some of the, the top six minutes are clogged up and we're not able to see you know, the potential of some of these guys, you know, like Mason Appleton had to do it on a checking role. Uh, you know, we saw with Jack Roslevic and I know, you know, I'm not suggesting that that Jack Roslevic was some kind of hidden gem per se, but we saw him excel with more ice time. And it just seems like under, Listen, we can talk about, we yeah. can talk about some of these guys, you know, the Appleton. So I thought was great that, you know, maybe deserved a, a shot at some point up, but I mean, the guy we need to be talking about is Nikolai Ehlers because yeah. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers uh, this year, undoubtedly, I think, was a guy that made the most happen individually uh, as a Winnipeg Jet up front. Um, certainly, if you look at all the numbers, points per minute, his production right at the top of the list. And let's face it, he did that with almost no top line minutes and no top line power play. And you would think that regardless of who is the head coach next year, that Nikolai Ehlers moves into a much more prominent role on the top line. It would seem insane not to do that from my perspective. Well, it, it kind of speaks to my point there, Huss, is like, yeah, and I've been banging the drum all year, essentially, that Nick Ehlers is the true, you know, game breaker on this team. He's the guy that's proven that he can he can turn a game on its head, you know, in a quick wrist shot or, or coming across the blue line and scoring. Like, he scored impressive game-breaking goals this season in that you know, if you want to call it a you know a backup role as a, as a second line and the backup role on a second power play. Now, I think there is an understanding to why he's in those roles. It's because there's an expectation amongst the Blake Wheelers and Mark Shifley to be the top line and to play together. They saw the chemistry that they had with Kyle Connor, and you know we've we've heard Blake say things like advocating for players to come back and saying we need this guy, and and you know we've heard Paul Maurice say the exact same thing about Blake Wheeler and that he put his arm around Kyle Connor and said, let's play with, you know, bring him on, bring the kid on the line and, and the rest is kind of history. So we, we have players calling the shots in that room and that speaks to the power play as well. You understand what position that, that Nick Ehlers plays on the power play, right? It's the shooting position. So unless Mark Shifley wants to move over and allow Nick Ehlers to take that spot, or Blake Wheeler wants to move over and allow him to take that shooting spot, there is no shooting spot for Nick Ehlers. So it's interesting thing. But I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, it can't be like, do you want to move? Do you want to move? Well, I mean, that's that what sort I of saying, has to be that's what it is, saying that's, this is what's in the best interest well, of the no, hockey team. Exactly. But that isn't what it is. Like, it isn't like, you know what I mean? There, there's been elements. And I'm not saying that Blake Wheeler isn't a team guy. You got to remember here that he's played center before a position that's Absolutely. way tougher for him on his body and the style of the way he plays. But when it comes to certain things, there's just no budging on it. And the other thing is I'm not necessarily disagreeing with him not being on the first. I think that power play in a lot of respects should be the first in some cases, in the sense that because you have Nick Ehlers on the team, because it's built around him and they're built around shooting and chaos. Well, and I would offer that they have their best power play defenseman on that unit too. And Martin Neil Pionk. Absolutely. So like you couldn't, and I think it stretches there. They were the first off the boards. Right. So I just, I'm definitely jumping on here with you that, you know, I think Nick Ehlers is appreciated in that locker room for sure. Oh, yeah. He's certainly appreciated, um, you know, by by people outside that locker room. It's just when you see a guy that's buzzing as 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 well as he's been buzzing, you'd think that he'd be kind of handed a little bit more responsibility, and in this case, ice time. 
Hey, l- let me ask you this. Let's look ahead to tomorrow. What do you expect to hear from Maurice and Chevaldea about this season? I mean, will it be focusing on, you know, some of the good things that happened, that they made the playoffs, that they were able to beat Edmonton and not as much about how things fell apart against Montreal? Will it be more about the future going forward? I mean, uh, what are you expecting to hear first from the coach? Positives. Like, I, I mean, I think it's going to be all optics, right? Because you have you have a bunch of players on the Winnipeg Jets that are pissed off, that are angry with how the season went. The last thing they want to hear is their coach dragging their season and or their GM dragging their season. So I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, we, I thought we grew in our game. I think you'll see a bit of that. You know, people counted this out. Nobody had the Winnipeg. And I don't think, certainly not going to be similar to the way Mark Shifley handled it. But I think those messages are going to be there. If you've noticed in post game, guys, like sometimes Blake will say something or Mark will say something or, or anyone will say something. And then Paul Maurice will say it in his final interview. So there are certain talking points here. I think this isn't the time for the coach. Like, I want the players to come out and say, we didn't do the job. Okay, I want them to come out and say we weren't good enough. I don't want to hear them say the Montreal Canadiens were so good that we we couldn't play as well as we hoped to play. The coach? Yes, you'd like to call them whatever in this situation after a game, but in this situation, postseason, like, I don't think they need to come out and say this guy wasn't good or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You kind of want that accountability on the players. Now, I think Paul Maurice might come out and say something like, okay, you know, I have to take ownership of this, and I think he probably will in that, you know, he didn't have his team prepared enough, yada, yada, yada. But I just don't think there's going to be – you know, I think it's going to be a lot about what they did right and less about what they did wrong. Uh, we'll have a lot of time to talk about this in the off season, but um, I'll just quickly ask you this. What Winnipeg Jets do you think played their last game here on uh, in game four? Oh, man. Um, who played their last? I, I, I'm not going to make any definitive statements. Like, I think this guy's gone. I mean, I'm absolutely intrigued to see what Andrew Kopp does this year because, I, you know, I mean – the thing about the the massive difference, obviously, between this year and, and when he had his arbitration was he didn't get the opportunities that he's gotten here in the last couple of years. So you kind of you kind of hope um, if you're a Jets fan that he kind of, you know, enjoys the fact that he's viewed in this organization as a top six player, that he's got an opportunity. Obviously, it's going to go down to dollars and cents. I think he's a guy that's going to be. Um, sought after to a certain degree. I mean, he's not going to be a high, high, high free agent, but just given his price range, if you can get him in around $4 million or so, um, you know, I think there's going to be an appetite for other teams. So I think it's just going to be natural, especially if you're American. Um, I think there's a tendency to look at playing on that side of the border. I think there's an element of COVID and what that might play into next year. We've heard Andrew talk about, you know, his 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 colleagues south of the border and what what their lives have looked like so depending on how covid reacts let's all assume hopefully that it, everything's kind of back to normal by next season but you know paul stassi is another guy i mean he's getting late in his career i wonder if he would be willing to take a, a haircut or if maybe he's looking for a different opportunity somewhere else or if he's looking to cash in uh, on another contract because he played pretty well with the winnipeg jets for the most part um but I don't. I, I can't really think of too many guys that I'd be overly concerned about 
necessarily leaving. I feel like you got a handful of guys that are under contract. And if you do want to build your defense a little bit, I, I wonder what, what some of the, maybe some of the bargaining chips might be available. So it's not so much everyone out the door that, you know, is on an expiring contract, but, you know, people who are, are secured with this team and what their immediate future might look like is interesting. Uh, Jeff Hamilton of the Free Press with us here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jeff K. Hamilton. And for everyone that's with us, great to have you with us live on YouTube. Make sure you hit that like button and the red subscribe button and join us daily at one o'clock if you haven't already. And if you're listening to the podcast, rate and review if you would. Five stars, something nice about the boys on WST would be greatly appreciated. Before we go, mm-hmm. uh, a complete pivot to the CFL for a minute. There's a vote coming up on the 14th of June. What are you hearing? Uh, how optimistic should fans be that the CFL at least, we'll see what happens with the virus and everything, but that there will be a commitment from the CFL teams that there will be a season, hopefully starting on the 5th of August. Yeah, I'm 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 optimistic. I'm going to take the glass half full approach here. You know, the, what I've been hearing from from different, you know, different teams is that everything's heading in the right direction. There's a lot of there's a lot of di- which is massively important is there's a lot of dialogue between teams and players, particularly around vaccinations, how to get them, the importance of getting them, all those things as we know the CFL is kind of holding prisoner more of the to the pandemic than any other league so those are massive things as long as they can get that going and they have been getting that going in the last few weeks uh and everyone seems to think this is going to be a good thing I mean you need to have significant uh amount of fans we've seen the different provinces Alberta being one of them there's a couple others that are saying there's going to be lots of fans so the 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 CFL has been flexible in in how they're going to approach the the schedule they're going to start out mostly in the west and see what they can do from there but uh I'm I'm certainly optimistic of of the August 5th start I'm not I'm not putting down a guarantee by any stretch here but I will say this I think there is a a massive chance if not 100 then 99.9% chance that CFL football will be played sometime in 2021. That's what we like to hear Jeff. I'm with you. Fingers are crossed. We'll get through this vote. <clears throat> See how things are opening up. I mean it is sort of funny with this here in Winnipeg and Manitoba in that we can pretty much guarantee that no matter, like, if we're, oh, I wonder how things are going to be over there. I wonder how things are going to be over here. We're going to be the last ones to the party, I think. So uh, if we can get our act together and get going forward and get to a spot where whatever the rules are, if you have to have the double vac shot or whatever, you can actually get into the park. I think the rest of Canada at that point will already be ready to welcome fans in. And as we all know, that is... um, you know, the lack of any revenue for CFL teams. It was a deal breaker last year. and I'd imagine it would be a deal breaker again today, but it does seem like there's optimism that there will be some butts in seats, regardless of what the rules are around it. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, when we can get back to a, you know, I was saying to Regina radio yesterday, when we get back, you know, you'll know it's be normal when there's a high stakes game going on at Mosaic stadium and the blue bombers arrive and they, and, and they wipe the floor with them. So that's when we'll know we're kind of back to being normal, but uh, uh, thanks for having me on Hus. I always appreciate coming up. Appreciate coming on. Same to the comment section. I don't get to read you when I'm on this part. I love being part of the comment section. So you've inspired you know, a new commenter, half Jamilton. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe it's me. I'm just typing on my other computer over here, but, uh, no, I uh, appreciate everybody. And, you know, we can handle the negative, uh, comments. So that's, that's the beauty part about being in this job. So, um, you know, positive, negative, whatever it is, great to talk sports and hopefully we can get back to a, a new normal, uh, sooner than later. No doubt. Well, I'll tell you what, we still have a ton of Jets uh, news to talk about. It's going to be a really interesting off season. And the fact of the matter is Jeff, normally this would be the time they'd be giving out the cup. <clears throat> 
We're going to get through these two rounds of playoffs. We'll be well into January. Boom. Expansion draft, entry draft, free agency. Um, and then you'll have like a month and then boom, it's going to be time to get after it in September and hopefully start a regular 82 game season back that we remember before this damn virus shook everything up for the last couple of years. So uh, uh, no shortage of things to talk about. And then, of course, fingers crossed, a lot of bomber chats with you on this uh, channel as well. So uh, keep it up, man. Thanks so much. And uh, congrats on the new pad. By the way, lots of people really loving the wallpaper in the background yeah, in, the, in the new Hammer Dome. I was in a, I was on a panel quickly. I was on a panel for uh, for award. I was nominated for the Graham James series, and I got about ten emails about like, where is that, where is that wallpaper behind you? Yeah, it's it's probably gonna go, but it's uh, when I when I get the light up and I get really close, there's no need for a suit jacket. Or, uh, so it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. Appreciate the comments, but uh, I don't know how long it's gonna live for. We'll see. Have a great one, dude. We'll catch up soon. Take care, guys. All right, stuff. There's Jeff Hamilton. From the Winnipeg Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, big thanks to our uh, great sponsor, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg. Uh, man, Andrew and the gang, Enrights, have been great supporters of ours um, right from day one. And, um, you know, feeling for them and everyone that works at the BPs right now and the entire restaurant industry um, cannot wait to be able to get back, whether it's just at, on the patio to start off. We'll take that right now. Um, but soon, especially for next year, we're going to be having some fun over at Boston Pizza. We'll get the Winnipeg Sports Talk gang together with some schooners, some great pizzas in the Boston Pizza lounges. But in the meantime, you can pick up the pizza pairs or the game day deal or everything on the Boston Pizza menu for delivery or takeout. You can order online at Boston Pizza Winnipeg. And of course, Aikens Lake, uh, hoping to get some good news for our friends at Aikens that they'll be able to get back open. And when they do, we know that traveling is still a major issue right now. Why not get ready for uh, a, you know a world class fly in fishing experience right here in the province of Manitoba? You can be on the water within two hours from the city of Winnipeg. AkinsLake.com online or um, find out more. Hit them up on Twitter. Our good friend Pitt Turen at Aikens Lake and uh, take up some of those spots that are normally reserved for American tourists that aren't coming north of the border this summer. And of course. It's Wednesday, and that means live racing at Assiniboia Downs. I was over last night on my picks. Michael Remus, though, hit the Quinella late and uh, has extended his lead over me in the duel at the Downs. We will have our selections for Wednesday night's race card coming up in just a couple minutes. But in the meantime, you can uh, bet at hpibet.com. You can watch all the races as well, as well as horse racing from around the world. And on the Assiniboia Downs, both YouTube channel and website, 645 Kirk, Stretch, Marshall. They'll give you all their picks for this evening's races to maybe give you a few winners before you make your wages as well. hpibet.com for Assiniboia Downs. And we'll get to those picks in just a minute, as well as our lines of the day for our gaming partner, coolbet.com. Remo, let's get you back in here. Um, you know, we will get to our picks in a moment, but um, yeah, we went head-to-head on that Quinella on that final race. Eight came in. Uh, I think you had two. I No, you had three. I had two, and it ended up being eight-three. And uh, that was a tough break to uh, start the day, finding out that you got that last win in race seven. Watch out for me in the horse racing. Now, I didn't win. I mean, I bet $10 on that, and... I only won 14, but I'll make up for the other bets I lost. So I ended up close to breaking even. So watch out for me on the horse racing. I've taken over, you know, I've dominated a lot of sports. 
uh, fantasy, you know, hockey, all of them, baseball, football. Huge Barry Horowitz moment going on right now on the show. (laughs) Horse racing, I've never, this is my first time really getting into the nuts and bolts of, uh, what do they call it? The track? Yeah, the track, the ponies? Like they call you got the octagon, you got the squared circle. What's the, what's <laughs> yeah, the, the track. I think it would just be the track. Sure, the track. So watch out for me. Uh, I got some some winners coming up, although I had to make <laughs> my picks very quickly because I was cutting all these Jets jets clips. Um, now, do we have the Garrett Cole for later? I can bring up the Garrett Cole. Like, do we, okay, perfect. We'll, yeah, we'll just get that. that. We're going to get to that in a minute. We got to talk. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. We need we to get that for Shifley. the end. Um, I guess we could still do some of them tomorrow if we really want, but I think the Shifley, the Shifley is the one, it's like getting retweeted by like, I see like Tim and friends putting out a video of, uh, yes, you must be referring to number two Shifley on the hit or the, uh, the, the promo that we just heard and nobody believed in us in number four. I think it's Shifley on the hit because this is Marat, Marat tweeted this out. I, Spent a couple of minutes looking at the replies, and uh, let's mm. just say it's still a hot topic in the hockey world. Uh, you want to, re- you don't want to yeah. fire up number two. Let me just go back to the nobody believed in us because I didn't get a chance to weigh. Oh in. yes, um, yes. I mean, I mean, I agree. As part of it, I think he's referring to national media because when he says you guys, and it's all local media on the call. So when you say media, I think you need to clarify. And I agree, part of it, national media. I mean, Sportsnet clearly had no interest in the Jets against the Oilers. I mean, every intermission was on the Oilers. They don't care. I mean, you you can tell there was a there was an intermission where the Jets did not get mentioned in a game yeah. that they were playing, and it was it was apparent to everyone. It's apparent to my um, my grandmother, who's a big Jets fan. She <laughs> asked me why do the national broadcasters hate the Jets, and she loves uh, Dennis and and Kevin. I mean, she might be even watching this right now. We showed her how to use YouTube. Hey, buddy. But, uh, yeah, but um, <laughs> but as far as Mike Shirey goes, I mean. Everyone counted the Jets out against Oilers. We watched them play in the regular season. They were awful. How if if you picked the Jets to beat the Oilers after the way Connor McDavid worked them all season, I would have asked if you had a brain. So I know Ken picked uh, the Jets. I think in seven, Ken Weeb. But it, I mean that's an impossible pick to make based on what you saw. So I mean good for them. But as far as coming into the season, we all knew the Leafs would be number one, the Sens number seven, and in that it was just a, a giant crapshoot. So I I think some of those were inaccurate. I mean, the parts about the national media wanting, you know, Edmonton and Toronto to match up McDavid. 100% everyone. true. That was true. That was true. <laughs> and then I, I do agree with you when he said, uh, and by the way, we love you hardworking people of Winnipeg and everyone cheers. That was, that was like uh, when was I went Mick, to a Kiss concert. Mick Foley. Mick Foley was somewhere smiling when he heard the end of that one. <laughs> I'll remember when I went to a Kiss concert, they were like, hey, Winnipeg, we know you're better than saskatoon and everyone starts <laughs> starts cheering <laughs> kiss was the greatest the greatest yeah. for that i well yeah won't get down our kiss stories but at some point in the summer when we have uh less topics we'll have some fun with things like that but listen let's get to number two because this was shifley on uh the hit which of course i don't think he still wants to talk about but is still a topic considering he's going to be out for the opening game of next season and He'd probably having to talk about it throughout the summer as well. Here's 55. I think at the end of the day, you just, you just, you, you know, you regret the the outcome of it. You know, I said that over and over, you know, you never want to see a guy hurt. And I'm a guy that, you know, um, you know, that, yeah, that respects this game and respects players. And, um, you know, I never want to see a guy hurt no matter what it is. Um, but at the end of the day, I was, I was trying to negate a goal. 
Um, you know, I'm coming back on the back check to, to, to prevent a goal and go back the other way. You know, I've played six on five my entire life. Um, you know, I'm, I'm out there to score goals. I'm not out there to, to hit guys. I'm out there to, to try to prevent a goal and, and try to win the game. Um, so I, I, you know, I would have loved, you know, an answer from them of what, of what would have been a better thing to do. Cause you know, you know, I've replayed the thing over and over in my mind. And the only, the only real thing is if I gave up on my teammates, um, on that play and just didn't back check. So, uh, you know, it's over and done with, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna continue to, to, to cry over it, but, um, it's, it's, it's the decision they made. I, I, I still believe it was excessive. I still believe it wasn't, you know, they, you know, they knock me out of the series You know, I don't even get a chance to play with my teammates and battle with my teammates in the series. Um, you know, for a guy with, with a clean record. So, you know, I, I, I'm, you know what, I'm just going to stop talking before I get fined or something like that. So I'll just leave it as it is. There, um, you know what I, I, I almost love it. I mean, listen, he he might. I, I know a lot of people are rankled by it that there was no apology. That you know, Mark Shifley, you know, continues to say he believes that he was in the right. Well, he does, and you know what? If he does, I don't like. I don't want him to come up and say something that he doesn't believe. Now, listen, it was incredibly impactful in the series, an unfortunate moment, and I think if you go back and if you could redo it, I mean, yeah, like don't hit the guy, so you're not out of the series. But in that moment, I mean, Remo, I do remember saying to a couple guys that I know that have been critical of Shifley's back-checking in the past and his defensive play um, and, you know, the the competitiveness of the playoffs and all that. And, I mean, they'd said, listen, if Shifley gets to that point and gives up on the play and does the old Ole uh, bullfighter move and gets around him, he would have been killed for that too. Now, Listen, it was really unfortunate just how violent that hit was. Um, as, as Marie said, it was a heavy, heavy hit. And um, it blew the guy up, and unfortunately, he got hurt. The visual of him getting carried off on a stretcher was really scary. And I think that, you know, and not to mention the the focus on this game between the two Canadian teams with all the people watching, you know, all conspired for maybe a, a stricter penalty for Mark Shifley than we've come accustomed to from NHL player safety. But it's pretty clear that he is still rankled about the length of the suspension, the fact that, you know, it took him out of the series. And I'll tell you what, being up there in the press box, watching his team without him play the way they did must have been absolute torture for Mark Shifley over the past week since game one. Yeah, I'm look, I said here that um, the suspension was too long. I thought it was a solid body check. Of course, there was charging, which led to the, uh, you know, excessive force. Um, I think Mark Shafley here at a certain point, you know, they asked him what he would do differently and he said nothing. I think at a certain point, just publicly, you have to say, Hey, you know what? Obviously I wouldn't have laid the hit because I got suspended for it. And I think people want to hear him say that. And he's kind of doubling, uh, doubling down. And now we have more, uh, from him coming up, which is the money clip that's going on. I mean, someone came in, someone came in to the chat, like 40 minutes into the show. I was like, are you guys not playing Shafley? I'm like, Hey man. The headliner goes on last. The headliner doesn't to open open the show, so we're gonna we're gonna get to it. The clip is is coming up, but I don't. I thought he could. I mean, he doubled down on it, and I think you know he's not looking great among national media. I think here he's gonna be a fan for you. I know Jets fans have his back, 
But I think he could have came out and said, you know what, obviously I wouldn't have laid that hit because I got suspended for it. That's all you need to say. And um, he kind of went, and then he went in, in full, some of the, full blast. In, in some of the ways, it's just another extension of the mood that he was in when he went back at McIntyre about the media that, you know, nobody believing us. I mean, they it really have built up an us-against-the-world mentality, at least amongst that core, um, you know, Wheeler and Shifley for sure. Um, and that's what we said. So we do have one more clip. This is Shifley who was just asked about the uh, the setbacks that, you know, he and the team went through. Um, you know, like I said before, John Rom said, you know, the way we, the way we handle setbacks is, is what defines us. Um, you know, that, that's what you have to do. You know, there's going to be setbacks in your life. There's going to be things, bad things that are going to happen. There's going to be good things that are going to happen. Um, you know, and I'm very, very lucky to, to, you know, I have, you know, amazing people around me and I'm a very, very fortunate person. So, you know, I can't, I can't let one bad thing, um, you know, knock me down. Obviously it's, 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 it's crushing to, you know, that my season was ended, um, by that. And I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to play in this series. Um, you know, I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to be tried to shut down by Philip Deneau and, you know, it was department of player safety that shut me down. So that, that definitely sucks. <laughs> that that's, was that's the, the, not the money quote right there. <laughs> it was thinking yeah. Deneau is going to try to shut me down and NHL player safety shut me down. Hey, they're still sour about it. Jets fans are still sour about it. And as I said on this program, I expected there would be a suspension. I was stunned that it was four games considering what we'd seen. And, you know, unfortunately, that was a, a huge part of um, just how that series unraveled so completely for uh, the Winnipeg Jets. I will say this about Shife. Um, being a sports nerd as I am, um, that spends all his time consuming sports stuff and very narrow and other things. I got to give him a shout out. Like in the past two weeks, he's dropped a John Rom reference quote, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, and as well as cited Tim Tebow's book. I Thank mean, he you. really has given us some incredible sports references in some of these quotes that he's been giving us. Reem. I'm I here wanted for it all. Give, I wanted to give you a shout out, Hus, for mentioning that because I was going to mention that, that <laughs> how many athletes, I mean, he named, he dropped Tiger Woods before this plus start of the playoffs. And then yes, uh, as, as Matt Lang, stuff going. Matt, Matt Lang saying, just yeah, said, t- quoting John Rom right now, a bold choice, LOL, considering what yeah. happened. But of course he's referring to, I mean, the way Rom responded to um, just the unbelievable scene on the weekend, which was one of the, it was the reverse bad beat. This is the greatest thing that happened to me maybe in my betting career with Cantley coming in and cashing that ticket on the weekend with no business doing it because of an unbelievable, almost inconceivable COVID positive DQ and or withdrawal after the third round. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, of course, <laughs> Rom's now in solitary confinement up until next Wednesday. Will he have one day to get a practice round in before the U.S. Open? But I think a lot of people looking at uh, <laughs> thinking he might be doing yeah. One more thing about the suspension. I think the part that's, um, you know, people are saying, oh, it's not like, you know, it's not the 90s anymore. I will just say, we have, if you've watched the Winnipeg Jets over the last four years, you have seen a number of hits to the head that have injured Jets players. And there have been, like, nothing, nothing, no suspensions. Little has had a couple, Coonan and Strawman. Blake Wheeler had two this year, one from Brady Kachuk, one from, uh, who's the other one? One from, uh, what's his face, uh, Sandine. And oh, yeah, uh, Lowry took a hit to the head. A, yeah, uh, Lowry took a hit to the head as well. There has been no suspensions on hits to the head 
for Jets players, which I think makes this so frustrating. Um, oh, probably. Oh, of course, Brian have we- Little on Strawman. I mean, yeah, yeah. it goes down the list. Listen, go- they they did. Murray said they sort of set a precedent with this, and everyone here in Winnipeg is, oh, great, finally you decide to do something about yes. this at the expense of a guy that has the cleanest rap sheet in the National Hockey League on a first defense in the playoffs with a really significant penalty as they go forward. And I think anyway. that's that's the issue. I mean, and someone, I think it was Dom Zappi in chat said, there's also the visual of, uh, you know, the guy going flying, get carrying on on a stretcher. Look, if you want to suspend him, that's fine, but it's pretty clear it was, you know, based on precedent, it was excessive. And I also do think you're disappointed as a Jets fan that the league isn't doing anything to protect um, the Jets. And I mean, with the Malkin jump head hit on Wheeler as well, where they had to fight after. If we all remember that, it's just fun. Sorry, I like going down memory lane. This is like, um, I feel like they do this a lot on Hockey Night in Canada. They're like, hey, Kevin BXA, you remember that series you were in 10 years ago? Let's show the highlight. Oh, Kelly Rudy. Hey, guys, you know, I played hockey too. Let's show one of my, one of my highlights. So we can do that here, right? Well, you're the new, you're the Chris Jericho of Winnipeg Sports Talk because NHL player safety has just made the list of Remus. And we have a quite a long list that, uh, that goes down. All right, listen, before we get to, uh, uh, the uh, bets for tonight and the uh, pony picks. Uh, let's, let's just get a couple more. Qu- let's listen to Ehlers and Stastny if we can, because both key players of this hockey club, Stastny, of course, with an uncertain future. Ehlers, a big part. And uh, Ehlers, um, who was injured coming into the playoffs, talked about what he was going through over the course of uh, the last few weeks. Um. I was 100%. Uh, let's put it that way. I mean, my it was a shoulder injury and uh, a first rib injury. Um, I'm not exactly sure how much I'm allowed to say, uh, but I'm. I think you're good. Right? Yeah. Um, I had a posterior labrum tear in my shoulder that I've had for a while. That's nothing new, but it has gotten a little bit uh, worse. So, um, and then I got a rib, first rib cartilage fracture. Um, so, but I felt good. Um, it just took a little longer than expected, unfortunately. All right, so there's Nick Ehlers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah, funny. I had the a season's over. Fracture, yeah, <laughs> torn, torn labrum. Yeah, I felt really good though. I'm. I mean, there's been a bit of a pause there before he said he's 100. percent Hey, he's. You know what? He's a tough little sob. I mean, um, listen, I don't think there's not one person I have yet to hear, certainly not in the chat, that doesn't appreciate what Nikolai Ehlers did for this club this year. And you know, that was part of what was so fantastic about the way the Jets were able to win those games early in the Edmonton series was that they did it without the guy that, you know, was their most dangerous offensive player uh, this season. Um, you know, I, the future is so bright for Ehlers. The fact that he's on the long-term contract with the Winnipeg Jets. I, if you're looking for things to, you know, be excited going forward, we heard from Connor Hellebuck earlier. Of course, Nikolai Ehlers, a massive, massive part of that. Now, big questions, though, about Paul Stastny. I don't know about you folks. I would love to see Stastny back. Obviously, it wouldn't be at the salary that he's on with his current contract at his age. But, I mean, a guy that brings so much to a hockey team like the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, both on the ice and off the ice. And Stastny was uh, just asked about, you know, his situation going into unrestricted free agency and uh, his approach to uh, his next decision. 
Yeah. And I think uh, for me, I'll, I mean, whatever happens, I'll probably just take my time away with it. I think it's not a molder. I think uh, options are probably more limited, but you kind of have an idea of, you know, what's best for me, what's best for my family. And then I think with the expansion draft, I mean, it's going on it for sure. Teams are going to be busy trying to figure that stuff out. So, uh, you know, when it comes to dealing with, with uh, you know, my agent and, and my family and my, my old man, I think we kind of also there together and kind of figure out, uh, be patient. We'll be patient about it. And there's no rush. And I uh, kind of have an idea of, you know, what places you want to play at, but, you know, you want to be what's a good fit for you and, and you want to go somewhere where you're wanted to. So, um, you know, like I said, I've had nothing but good things to say here. And, you know, I know the future, future has always been bright. It's continues to be bright. And there's always going to be a chance here. And I think that's a really important piece to picking a team you want to play at. All right. So there's Dasney. I mean, obviously he's going to have some options. He'll take a while. He seems so chill about it too, Reem. I guess when you've had the career that he's had, hit the 1,000 games this year, um, you know, the money's not like, I don't think the money is going to be the deal breaker for Paul Stastny. I think the things that he mentioned, two key things, what makes sense for he and his family and the ability to, you know, have a chance to win, to expect to be a playoff team, to have a chance to win the Stanley cup. And um, listen, as disappointing as the Montreal series was, I think Paul Stastny sees a lot of talent in this locker room, a goalie that you can certainly count on to give you a chance. And, you know, I certainly think that Winnipeg will be in that mix and, you know, I wonder if he does come back, regardless of what that number is, what that role is for Paul Stastny. I mean, is he automatically continuing to be a second-line player? Does the third line look different? Where is Adam Lowry next year? Um, and then, of course, there's Cole Perfetti. And the Perfetti story is so interesting because I think six months ago, we couldn't have possibly imagined the situation that he'd be in. But considering what he did, World Juniors, most importantly at the American Hockey League level, really standing out over the course of the, you know, the second half of the season and then going to the world championships. The fact that Cole Perfetti has to go back to the Ontario Hockey League if he's not on the Jets next year, I don't know what he's going to gain from that. Um, so I really do think that he'll be given an opportunity to be on this roster next year, unfortunately, without the option of playing down the hallway with the Manitoba Moose, which was so beneficial for him as an 18-year-old. Yeah, I wish they would put some exemption in for him to play with the moose. I mean, he played with them this year. He showed that he can hang with the league. I don't know. I feel like they should have some exemption. I know you want to help those OHL teams keep their stars, but I think you also want to help the players develop. So we'll wait and see what happens. You know, it was interesting to see, you know, we're Jets fans are looking at Montreal who have young guys like Suzuki and Caulfield who've been given a chance to play and succeed. I'd like to see Perfetti get some, maybe he'll get his nine games and then they shut him down before. It's the funny last you bring one? up. It's funny. It, it's funny you bring up Caulfield. Well, no, I mean if he's playing next year, it's going to be a year on the ELC. I mean, what, are you just going to not play? I mean, at a certain point, you got to play games. I mean, you're you're better off even at a junior level playing every night and you know presumably getting better. But I think for Perfetti, he's shown that he's ready to play against men, and you know I, I think that maybe has sped up the possibility of him being a part of this Winnipeg Jet lineup. Um, We'll have much more on the Jets tomorrow. As I said, we'll hear from Coach Paul Maurice and Kevin Sheveldayoff, discuss what they've had to say. We'll bring in uh, Ken or Ren tomorrow on the program as well. Um, there is a couple other things we want to have some fun with before the end of the show. But quickly, let's get to the cool bet lines of the day. Because tonight, 
we could have another team book their ticket to the final four for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that team is Barry Trotz's New York Islanders, who are a home underdog tonight after escaping game five in Boston with a 5-4 win despite being outshot 42-19. Islanders paying plus 117 to finish the job on the Bruins tonight at home. Boston minus 132 on the money line to force a deciding seventh game. And for tomorrow night, line is already up. Vegas Golden Knights, one win away from eliminating the favorite Avalanche. Vegas minus 125 favorites to get it done at home. And the Avalanche on the road, plus 110 to extend it to seven and get the series back to Denver for a winner-take-all matchup. Those are the cool bet lines of the day for the National Hockey League. You can also check out the golf odds for the Palmetto Championship, French Open, Euro 2022 coming up right away. I guess Euro 2020, which is now in 2021. I know that's quite confusing. We'll do something on that before kickoff on Friday as well. Um, So all that there, and we'll put up the bonus code as well if you want to take advantage of 100% bonus on your first deposit. We've got the link for you on our Twitter feed at Winnipeg Sports Talk or at Sports Talk WPG. Make sure you're following us as well. Same tag on Instagram and on Facebook. All right, Remus, you got it done again last night. You got a W. I did not. I need a winner tonight or hopefully a few winners at a Cinnaboya Downs parade to post 720. First race getting going just after 730 tonight. Uh, what uh, what are the wagers that you have laid down with your uh, with your twenty spot for tonight, Reem? Yes, I got twenty. Here's my my picks. Oh, you guys can already you can see that here. Um, I have ten on race three, horse one to win, and ten on race four, also horse one to win. So I'll give you the names: Holly Hannah. I have to win on race three, and also race four. I have McCaig to win. So All uh, right. they, they're the number one horse for a reason, Huss. That's why, because they're going <laughs> to win. It's uh, not a coincidence. I'm making three wagers today. I'm starting off going hard in race one with a Quinella, 10 bucks on three and five. That is Amy on tour and Sophie McTrophy. Now, did you not have Sophie McTrophy in one of our earlier, uh, earlier wagers? This is the yeah. second race. I think I had Sophie McTrophy before and won on on them. So excellent. Well, um, let's I, see if Sophie did... McTrophy can do it for me tonight. A uh, a three five Quinella in race number one. Uh, that's my ten dollar bet. Then I've got two winners. I'm going for race number four. We're taking horse number five Etu Babu, which is Richard Mangley's horse. We'll look forward to seeing if he can take out the favorite Euro Silver Biz. And then my final wager, race number six, I'm going with uh, an underdog horse, Young Boy, with Neville Stevenson. Five bucks to win on that. That is race uh, horse number two in race number six. Uh, you can get far better picks with the guys from Assiniboia Downs. They'll be live at 645, breaking it all down on ASD Live. And I hope to have a, a great story of winning and closing the gap between me and Remus for uh, tom- on tomorrow's show, Cineboy Downs, asdowns.com. And again, if you want to bet with us, you can do it at hpibet.com. Remus, you know what our favorite non-sports story is right now? Vaccine incentives. And yes, uh, oh, do we have it. a big one, folks? 
get ready. If you have already got your shot, you're fired up. Oh, Gregory Liverpool. Breaking news. We are allowed to golf with different people outside your household, Hustler. That is great. Oh, Greg. Yes. Someone, yeah, someone posted in chat, you can have people outside on your private property. So I don't have to okay. like, okay, tell excellent. them we can meet at the park or something. That, you know what? That is good. I mean, I'm uh, uh, any uh, any idea if we can uh, go to a patio? That would be nice for the. I haven't seen. I'm sure, I haven't uh, seen. I look. I've been here, so I don't know. I'm just yeah, going small by victories though. In chat. Golfing and some outdoor gatherings sounds great. I think it's about time people need it. And um, but let's just keep getting these numbers down, getting the shots going, and to get those shots going, Remus, the province of Manitoba opening the vaults with two million dollars. All you need to do is have your first shot ready and then get your second shot by a certain date. And uh, I guess in Winnipeg, three separate $100,000 prizes. In the other health authorities, a $100,000 prize for each one. And for ages 12 to 17, every youth that has get, that gets vaccinated is in for 10 $25,000 scholarships because I guess by law, Kids under 18 cannot win cash. So on those yeah. scholarships, uh, as I said, my big idea, if you were going to work with liquor and lotteries, just get a vaccine. You get a $25 token to go play VLTs. I mean, you sure. get the money back right away. I mean, it would, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as costly as the straight up million bucks, but um, listen, we, we've had some fun with this. We've talked about the free beer. There's the Epic one where the strip club was giving the VIP card, the limo ride and, a private dances from a vaccinated entertainer. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I think Winnipeggers and Manitobans who love the thought of hitting it big or winning something, uh, this might push uh, some people that we need to get with the program a little bit closer. Yeah, and I also saw in Washington State House, they have a new program, Jabs for Joints, where if you get a vaccine, you get some weed. So I don't <laughs> think weed. Yeah, I think we're we're in the early stages of vaccine bribes in Manitoba, where the government's going to say, "Hey, you know, we're going to have these lotteries." I think I think we need to get some private businesses in offering some some stuff. We've seen you know free tickets for Mets and Yankees fans if you get a vaccine on site. I don't know, maybe the the Bombers or the Jets or or someone wants to come in and offer something. I think free um, VLT vouchers. I think that would, I mean, it's just going to go right back to them. So why not? <laughs> it's so, like immediately returned to the government of Manitoba. Yeah, and they'll probably end up spending more. So, the, you know, maybe it's a good thing. And so I want, I'm curious how this is going to going to go. They did announce, you know, I'm a big NFT guy. They announced the vaccine NFTs yesterday. So if you get two shots, you get a, an NFT, you know, a number saying uh, that you got it. So uh, we'll, Jamilton, we'll be monitoring if, it. If, if Remus wins the money, we won't see him ever again. Yeah, we'll be hiring you to come in and be the CTO or somebody. Uh, Ricardo Benito. What up, Ricardo? I get where Shife is coming from. Kachuk took him out and nothing happened. Yes. Now he takes Evan out, Evan's out, and he gets crucified. Yes, his hit was bad, but Kachuk was no saint on his hit too. It certainly did flip that series. And I will say this. I was on with Pat Steinberg in Calgary doing the uh, the shows on Sportsnet 960. And before I came on with the guys, usually I'll come on from three to six, but Pat starts at two just because there's some overlap from Winnipeg Sports Talk. So I was tuned in before I jumped on. And they were playing the Maurice clip of, you know, him defending Shifley and saying, hey, it was a heavy hit. It was unfortunate, but there's a good. And then they went and played 
right afterwards the uh it was a dirty disgusting hat you know we all remember the maurice quote after the after the yeah. uh the uh, the the kachuk hit was that even a hit the the slicing of uh of mark shifley um but i'll say this about paul maurice and we'll be talking a lot about the coach we'll hear from tomorrow um that is a guy that publicly always has his players and his team's back even if sometimes it might be putting him into a difficult situation, like I think it was with the Shifley hit. But certainly the coach was steadfast behind the player. And Remo, we heard from the player again. And uh, it sounds like his attitude on the entire experience and incident hasn't changed at all over the past week. And if anything, what happened to his team in his absence has made him even more angry uh, about the result of his hit and the ensuing suspension. Yeah, like we know Paul Maurice is going to go to bat for his player, so I'm not surprised by that. And that's part of the reason why, you know, whatever they say up there, you can't really take 100% um, seriously. But I agree, that could chuck it. It should have been looked at. It wasn't just because of the guy's reputation. I don't know why his, maybe he tried to like do something with his skate, but there's no reason for that to happen if you're trying to hit a guy. And that was another one up against the Jets. We are like, why is nothing being looked at here? when it's against the Jets, but, you know, Mark Shifley, who's, again, never, you know, this is, people are joking, it's the first time that he's back-checked, first time he's thrown a hit, blah, 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 gets four games. It was, the four games is, is uh, kind of bizarre, I, I agree. Uh, what were we talking about also? Oh, about well, why he's we, so salty? Yeah, he's he was very pissed off. I think he should have came out and said that he re- regrets throwing the hit because he got suspended. And that's all you need to say. He doubled down way too hard and then started going after the media, like he's Wayne Gretzky at the 2002 uh, Salt Lake Olympics. That was a, one of the references. most legendary speeches. Uh, no, everyone wants Canada to lose, blah, blah, all the countries. I think it was against after a game against Czech where they were getting mauled and no penalties were called. So, I hey, I can, they do it. I learned from Hockey Night in Canada. They bring up all these games. Hey, let's show this clip from uh, 20 years ago, uh, Kelly Rudy getting scored on. <laughs> Well, as I Sorry, said, 20, 20 years, I guess it's 2021. It'll probably be longer than that. 30, more like 30 years. <laughs> Sorry, I keep just... thinking 20 years ago is 1990, but no, that's not true. No, 20 years ago is after 2001. 2001. That's <clears throat> yeah. It, it seems 20 years ago feels like 2018 with what we've been through for the last two years around oh, here. Man. I mean, like it does seem I'm... that, that far away. Uh, somebody just said like 400 Travis. What up, Trav? 400 private Manitoba businesses have said they yes. are doing a Vax giveaway. We're going to have to look it out. I do believe the Wheaties, shout out to the Brandon Wheat Kings, yeah. got a shout out from the uh, Premier today saying that they had um, started their own vaccine promotion. And it is interesting. And, you know, for those of you that are sports fans, um, mm-hmm. you know, seeing the buy-in from these teams, Bombers, um, certainly Wheat Kings, I mean, the they need these shots to happen to get people back in the stands. It's very simple. Um, so no kidding. They're going to be doing everything they can to promote it. I think we all should uh, because that's going to get us closer. As Mike Krzyzewski says, more shots means more of these together with their uh, little, uh, some little brown jug emojis there um, going forward. Um, brown eyed girl, MJD, who was mad at me when I admitted that I do not like the Boston Bruins. Um, but we've gotten over that brown eyed girl and I are, are, are back together. I work in healthcare. Please everyone get vaccinated. We don't get out of restrictions without it. Amen to that. Um, no one wants to do it. Um, it's a lot like the uh, policy me read we had earlier getting life insurance. It's not really something that you want to do or you you're excited to do, but you know, you need to do it. Uh, policyme.com. Go and check it out. Wait, tell them that, uh, <laughs> Everyone out there is doing like PSAs to get vaccinated. Are you 
Did you just record one that I can tweet out? <laughs> Hustler says, get the I shots. Did. Yeah. <laughs> and life insurance as well at policy.com yeah. if you need it. Um, yes, Tikona Polly. Tico yeah. Pauly, just quickly, I should mention, um, this happened sort of just at the end of the show yesterday. Um, we talked about the MJHL expanding to Niverville. Great to see them. And, of course, their rink got damaged in those storms on the weekend. They're for the following year. But the uh, Nipawa MJHL team officially has a new name. They are now the Nipawa Titans. So um, congratulations on that. You know, we've got a couple great new names. The Titans in Nipawa, uh, the Elks in Edmonton. And did see a report that the Elks have just been selling a crazy amount of merchandise with the new logo and team name. So great to see that that's been received as it has been. Um, Remo, I do want to touch on this spider tack bit. Can we get the Garrett Cole? Um, because it's always fun seeing sure. athletes, you know, in the uh, looking into the headlights uh, in the media and basically seeming very, very guilty and not knowing what to say. And just a little primer for you. Um, there is a big talk in Major League Baseball right now about substances that pitchers have been using to affect the baseball and the RPMs that we're seeing on some of the pitches this year and over the past couple years have been absurdly out of whack with what has been, you know, traditionally um, in, in baseball. And I mean, this is sort of like the pitcher's versions of steroids. And there's one particular um, material called spider tack. And it was invented by a guy that was doing like strongman competitions. If you're watching with this on YouTube, you know, there's those events where they have the huge granite ball and, you know, you got to put your hands on it and they put, this is like the stickiest stuff ever made essentially. And they stick it on and, you know, it helps you grip the ball when you're doing these ridiculous strongman competitions. Well, uh, some journalists tracked down this guy that invented it and he had no idea that it could, could or would be used in baseball. But it's now turned into a very, very big issue. And uh, Garrett Cole, who I believe, what did he sign for, Reem? $324 million from the Yankees? <laughs> um, yeah, he got, he got some crazy, uh, crazy contract. 324. And I mean, I guess the big question now is, is this the guy that was juicing and hit 65 home runs and then signed mm -hmm. the 13-year deal? On uh, on news. So, anyways, Cole was in a uh, media availability yesterday, and the reporter asked him directly if he had been or had ever used spider tack, and uh, uh, he had no idea what to say. I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't know if. Uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that. To be honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And, um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and uh, I've stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that. Uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot, um, you know, and, and I, again, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have um, because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this. 
that, that is I, one I of my, my favorite clips in in such a long time. I mean, here's the translation from my perspective. He's asked about it. He's sitting there, not saying anything, going, "Oh shit, I'm busted. <laughs> what the hell am I going to possibly say?" An extra pause. Am I going to get bailed up by the PR director? Is someone going to come in? No, no. I still have to answer this. Okay. Well, guys, um, how can I say this? Um, veterans have been teaching younger players how to cheat in baseball for years. It's sort of a rite of passage. And uh, the uh, traditions and things that go on in the game is just part of things. But if we do need to look at or all get on the same page, I'm here for it. In other words, you're damn right I've been using this stuff. It helped me get a $324 million contract from my new team, the New York Yankees. And this is the most uncomfortable moment of my professional career. I first of all, I thought my computer froze uh, while playing that video because <laughs> so did I. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is this, is this? And I've watched it a couple times before this. I still thought it froze. And you know what? I don't blame Garrett Cole. I don't blame any of the pitchers. Uh, I remember Dirk Hayhurst came on the old station and he talked about putting together sunscreen and rosin and all these different you know substances that let you get grip on the ball. Well, the spider tack is that like times a thousand. So in major, I think I blame Major League Baseball. They let the pitchers do this. They never checked in on it. It's just like the it's just like era. the home runs and steroids in '98. Yeah, and the <clears throat> the players knew that okay, we can get away with this, and they just took it further and further, looking for the grippiest substance ever imagined. I think there's going to be a point, Hus, where a pitcher throws the ball with this spider tech, and the ball doesn't leave his fingers; it's just stuck there. <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, the people are talking about. Uh, I think it was a foul ball, like that hit Yadier Molina's chest protector and just stuck onto it. Um, that's how serious <laughs> this is. So, like, uh, I I mean, I think that they're going to try to crack down on it now, but I don't blame Garrett Cole. I don't blame any of the pitchers. It's obvious this is going on in Major League Baseball. Did nothing. They let the pitchers do this, and the pitchers, you know, you give someone an inch, they'll take a mile, and the pitchers did that. So good for him. He got $320 million. We'll see how it changes, but there's... Way, way too much. I mean, you look at the spin rates in the ball now. I think people have done tests using spider tack and just regular grip, and it's like 10 times more uh, it's spin absurd. rate. So, it's absurd. Yeah. And bus split, great point, but VA. A lot of no-hitters this year. Hmm. And that is big. We were getting a no-hitter like every two or three days earlier in the season. And, um, you know, more and more investigation goes into this. It does seem like it's a problem for Major League Baseball. So we'll see where it goes from here. What do you think tonight, Reem? Islanders book their ticket, or will we yeah. have a Game 7? Our last game at the Coliseum, it's going to be rocking. I'm going with the Islanders. Their fan base seems energized. I'm happy for them. They've had a lot of uh, futility since those heyday years of the 80s. I'd love to see Boston get eliminated by them. So I'm going with, uh, I'll go with the Islanders at home. Yeah, I'm hoping the Islanders can get it done. And, of course, if they do that, it won't be the last game of the Coliseum because they'll have a date with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in the Final Four for a trip to the Stanley Cup Final. Looking forward to that. We'll have some hoops tonight as well. And uh, tomorrow should be a great show because we will hear the season-ending comments from Coach Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets as well as General Manager yeah. Kevin Sheveldayoff. Of lots to digest and dissect from that ream, um, as well as getting ready for uh, the Euro, which begins on Friday. Really looking forward to that. That'll be fun to kind of follow, become big international soccer fans for a couple of weeks as uh, the best in the world go at it in what was supposed to happen last summer. Yeah, that's uh, that's fun to get to in the summer. You know, we're in this period now with no Jets. Credit to the Jets, though, for dragging out these press conferences, giving us content each day. Imagine if they just did them all today. It'd be too much to get to. 
And we didn't get to some players. Maybe we'll get to Andrew Kopp. We didn't really talk about him. He's an RFA coming in. Logan Stanley uh, talked about his you know first season. Dylan DeMello talked about his injury as well. So uh, still lots to get to with the Jets. We're not going to stop talking about them. The expansion draft is like um, just over a month away as well. And a lot of talk about that. So, um, you know, we didn't have too many Habs fans in here anymore, but a lot of Jets fans in the conversation has definitely been uh, been fun. I do appreciate everyone coming out. And if you haven't hit that, hit that like button, uh, we could use <laughs> those those likes more than ever. Travis, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And then uh, the Royal Sports guys pop in. Just ask the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what a great way to end the program. Shout out to Greg and the gang at Royal uh, for their support. And uh, as well, Royal Sports, as well as PolicyMe.com, Nick and Nikki DQ, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Breezy Bend Country Club, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and Assiniboia Downs. Post time tonight, 7.20 p.m., 3-5 Quinella, race one. That's what I'm rolling with. And, of course, coolbet.com. Folks, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, For all of you that were with us on YouTube, for those of you that are listening on the podcast and got all the way to the end, thank you for doing this. It's great to have you with us and make sure to spread the word on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll be back tomorrow. More Jets season wrap-up. Hearing from head coach Paul Maurice and general manager Kevin Dayoff. We'll do it again tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Have a great night, everyone, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.